LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm joined by Jessica. Together, we're going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 2, titled Home. And if this is your first time joining us, we are recording this live on Mixler. If you're curious about what that means, it's a just a live recording. Mixler.com slash LSG-media. That's Mixler.com slash LSG-media. And that means we have some people in our chat room, over 20-something at this point, and they will chime in once in a while, and we will respond to them once in a while. It's a lot of fun. If you want to do it, check us out on Mixler for sure. The way we normally do this, Jessica, right, is we will start with some initial impressions. We will explicate our way through this, get to a few listener comments, and then wrap with some final thoughts and observations. And I do have something I want to say right up front here before we get cracking, and that's this. I think we are going to, at the end of this show for a few minutes, so after the credits, after the outro song, we're going to stick around for a few minutes, and we're going to talk about some permutations on what is going on with the Greyjoys. Now, remember, I've only read Storm of Swords, so I'm going off of some Wikipedia stuff here, some uh, Game of Thrones wiki. So we're going to talk a little bit about this Balon Greyjoy and this dude on the bridge who tossed him over, and and we're going to speculate, and we're going to talk about some of that stuff. So um, if you're in chat, try to avoid spoiling that if you do know, if these people don't know. But consider yourself warned that at the end of this, we're going to talk about that and we may get spoilery. I'm not really sure. Uh, so yeah, something to think about. We do want to try to wrap our head around the whole Greyjoy thing because uh, really came out of nowhere. We are really in the dark on that and uh, we are going to do that at the end of the show. So stay tuned for some for uh, for us to get a little bit uh, deeper into the Greyjoys. Not much. Again, we don't have a ton of knowledge about it. We're going to be going off of a couple different things I read on the internet and talking about what it maybe means. Um, just because we weren't sure and we kind of need to be since we're doing a podcast. Now, what's going on, Jessica? Not too much. What's going on with you? Ooh, nothing really. Okay. I, um, I'm drinking a fucking Diet Pepsi, which is essentially poison. I mean, it's all crap. Ew, why are you I know. That? I kind of want one of those. My brother, everyone's talking about what they're drinking in the chat room. My brother brought those beers that have like Earl Grey tea in them. And I thought, is this like the greatest thing ever? They should just call it Picard Beard. Why didn't, aren't you drinking that? I don't know, because I thought about it after I was in here and recording, so it's not going to work. As I said, have yeah. my wine with my Greyjoy sigil on it because I'm supporting those dudes today. May we always keep our schlongs. We need it. What is dead may never die. All right, fair enough. Well, you're supposed to repeat it. No, I say maybe we always keep our schlongs. So um, speaking of schlongs, well, probably not speaking of schlongs. I don't think we're talking about schlongs no. in this first scene. No, we're, we're, not, we're not there yet. We'll get to the schlongs. Oh, we will get there. We'll get to Jon Snow and his little loincloth. And uh, we're going to start things off uh, with some initial impressions. So Jessica, why don't we start there? Then we'll tell them what order we're going to work in. Sure. Why don't you talk to me about your initial impressions of this? Specifically, how did you feel that this episode went i thought it went pretty well um i i feel like this season is not wasting any time at all sure which makes it shocking but not in a way where you're just like oh they're killing people to kill people it's just like holy shit we're really moving things along right do you feel that what what was the low point of the episode what made you go ugh? aria okay yeah yeah so 
Let's I'm not high on Bran yet, but you know, I've never really been high on Bran. I really hate Mira. Ugh, but I'll get there. You can't stand her. She's the worst. I thought Jojen was the worst and he's dead. R.I.P., but thank God. Outside of the Jon Snow resurrection, what was the high point of the episode? Okay, I had a few, actually. I had a few stuff that if was really- you could only really- take one Ugh. to a desert island, the best part of the episode- the part, how about, let me structure this better. The part of the episode that you think opens up a lot of intrigue here. I would have to. St- or, or that you're interested in. I'm torn. There was a lot of stuff and I will talk about the stuff that I really like because there was a lot of stuff everywhere that was really interesting to me. Um, if I had to pick one, I have to go with the stuff at Winterfell with Ramsay. Like Bruce's I'm murder. Ver- everything that he's doing, the fact that he's in charge, the fact that the car starts are with him, like there was a lot of stuff going on over there and I'm, I'm very interested in this stuff with Tyrion and I love Tyrion's scene and I love Sansa's goodbye at the on and I loved a lot of stuff that happened. I loved a lot of the stuff in King's Landing but if I had to pick one moment other than the resurrection of Jon Snow. The, the moment that you feel like opens up a door for some great storytelling. I mean... I, I, I'm very, very interested to see what's going to happen at Winterfell. I feel like Ramsey's in a precarious spot to be a leader and it's going to be really fucking different. Right. I mean, I'm very, very curious to see where this is going to go. I like it. I like your style. If I had to pick one, I would say the Iron Islands. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, if, if I had to pick a, a, a high point, I would have to say the Iron Islands. I want to see what happens here with this Balon Greyjoy being out of the picture. Uh, Balon Greyjoy and his, I think, eight siblings, which is probably some of these faces we don't know who they are. Uh, which I said we'll talk about at the end here. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the level of intrigue that can be opened up for it. And um, this is something, here's why I think there's a lot of intrigue here, and then we'll stop because I don't want to spoil all of my thoughts. And uh, I will probably elaborate more when we get there. But what happened in Marine that devastated their power structure after she left? What, What do you mean? What happened in Marine that devastated their their power? That devastated their army. What did Varys? What did Varys and Tyrion discover that we barely for, almost forgot to talk about? Oh, that the ships were burned. Who has a great fleet? The Greyjoys. Who can't fight on land? The Greyjoys. Who can? Who can fight on land? Unsullied. Yeah, the Dothraki. So I don't know. I we could be you think seeing. Greyjoys going to hook up with Danny? Ooh. I I think I like the sound of that. I, I I mean they made it expressly clear in the in the in the other episode we don't have a fleet and now they're just saying we have sea power we have this I think it could be an interesting marriage we do know I'm gonna save it okay but we do know the Greyjoys have been known to be a little bit rebellious right there was a whole they did their whole rebellion sure which is how Theon ended up in the custody of Ned Stark in the first place but anyway speaking of Ned Stark let's talk about the one from his loins the one who and was, him. The one who is, sp- <laughs> and what? And and Ned. Let's talk about him too. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. Because he's there. He is there. We'll talk about Bran, uh, the one who can no longer climb, who- uh, Who is an adult now. He's a very, very grown up. It really freaks me out when stuff like, but see, stuff like this happens in TV shows and it's like you have to write kids out of the show, like Lost had this issue with Walt. Okay. Where he like Walt! grew up. Yeah. Where he like grew up too quickly. And so they were like, we got to write this kid out of the show because he's growing so fast. We don't want to recast him. Like, right. what do we do? Right. And I guess maybe you can kind of do something like this with Bran because there's like mystical shit going on and he's off with this dude. But it's so jarring to see 
because they grow up so quickly. It's like really jarring to see him so adult. Right. I think what works for him is, is that he's on this really otherworldly ethereal journey and it makes it almost feel like an indeterminate amount of time has passed. You could almost believe it's been a long, long time as he's out there meandering around in the north and messing with these crazy fey children and shit. So yeah, I like it. But we start on a on a we start pretty quickly, and it should be noted that the the man in the tree there, right? Max von Sydow. Right. Not originally him when the episode when they first introduced the character. And uh we've been talking to him about a lot. He was in Force Awakens, he was in Conan the Barbarian, our science fiction film podcast, of course. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about Bran. And let's talk about these flashbacks that you are excited about. We see... I was excited about them. Uh, kind of okay did I, did I put words in your mouth? A little. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Hold on. Oh, sorry. She didn't say it yet. What is that noise you just heard? Barking. What's it from? I don't know. Oh, you're not that foolish. If you were that foolish, I would be very mad. All right. Um, so let's talk about Ned and Benjen um, and, of course, Liana. And, of course, my favorite part, Hodor. Let's just throw Willis. it out there. I'm sorry. Who watching this episode when we saw quote unquote Willis didn't immediately know it was Hodor? What casting? Honest to God. That I think it was Tori Hunter on our Facebook group put that. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, that was good. Which is the fucking most brilliant thing in the world. <laughs> it's so funny. It's pretty good. Right? I wonder if George R. R. Martin's trolling us by saying his name used to be Willis. And now you can think, what, what are you talking about? Because he's not saying anything. He's just fucking can't get right in the brain and he just keeps saying his name over and over But again. does it make you... Okay, so here's how I feel. And I know Game of Thrones is not going to waste a bunch of time on the subplot, but aren't you curious about Hodor? Like, don't you want to read his side story, like his short novella about mm. the story of his life? Because I do. I yes. might write Hodor fan fiction to discover how he got where he was. It could happen. Hodor fan fiction. What's that internal Not like sexy like? fan fiction, like oh, well, normal fan fiction. That's not where I was going, but now you have my attention. Well, Tell me more about Hodor. No, but... Aren't you interested? So what happens? So obviously his mother's like, no, he's not going to fight. So obviously he's going to get into some type of fight where he gets into some type, has some type of injury and it's this traumatic thing, right? Mm. I just want to know more about Hodor. You know what? Watch him be, have done some insane thing that wraps up in the whole history of the realm. I mean, that would be wild. It would be amazing, honestly. Yeah. It wasn't Jamie that ran the king through. It was Hodor. It was actually Hodor. (laughs) Surprise. Jamie just was like, oh shit. And he knocked him out and took the credit. Then Hodor could never speak again. Uh, Maybe. But uh, although I guess he wouldn't want to take credit for something like that. But uh, yeah, I I am. One of the things they say is they're like, oh, when he learns to fight, he'll be unstoppable. He's huge. They said he has giant's blood. Did you catch that? Yeah. I caught that. And we got some giant action this week. So yeah, we did. (laughs) So I think that I wonder if they're setting us up for some sort of Hodor comeback. Comeback to what? Not speaking normal English? Yeah. To not being a silly brain. I don't know if that can actually happen, no. though. Well, I don't know. I think it's just because like, we love Hodor. I think it's going to be more Liana that we want to see. Yeah. In the chat, Kelly says he was a stable boy, so perhaps he got kicked by a horse. That's actually a very reasonable assumption. That shit happens all the time. Yeah. People. It seems it seems uh, pretty, pretty legit. Pretty legit. So I could be down with that. But um, yeah, let's talk about this. What are we doing here? Are we setting us up for the Rhaegar, Liana possible bullshit here? I mean, why show her? Yes, 100%, right? That's the only explanation. So if people don't know what that explanation is, do you want to explain it to them? The the, the, the Jon Snow the John Snow theory. So, one, one of the theories. So can I explain or are you going to explain? Go. <laughs> so 
Uh, Rhaegar and Lyanna, everyone says that Lyanna was like kidnapped by Rhaegar and he basically took her. But there's this theory that she was actually in love with him and she wanted to leave with him. And that Jon Snow is actually Lyanna and Rhaegar's child. And the reason why Ned ended up with Jon is because Lyanna is like, you have to take him for me. I can't get caught in this predicament, blah, blah. Everything because that once, happens, happens. Because once Robert's Rebellion comes, the Targaryens are essentially wiped out by every other house. Right. So that's why it's very secretive where Ned says that's why he never tells John who his mother is. And also, let's be honest, like, does Ned Stark seem like the type of dude who's going to cheat on Catelyn with a prostitute? That just is gonna throw it out there. That is a big one. I'm just saying. As Did you just throw it out there? Me, yeah. Shots, motherfuckers. Just throwing it out there doesn't get shots. Absolutely, it does. It gets someone to make a meme of me, but that's about it. Well, I think it deserves shots. So, yeah, uh, that's I like that theory. It's interesting. And uh it uh, it gives a little bit of credence to the uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Fire from the Targaryen, ice from Lyanna. So that would make Jon Snow Ned's nephew. Yeah. Right. And also the most amazing person of all time. But basically. wait a second. Now, that means he can't hook up with Danny, right? Because that would make, yeah, that'd be a little... Maybe kind of related. Kind but of I don't inception. need him to hook up with Danny. No, I know. But I, I know some people want that. Rulers. Yeah. I, I miss Egret still, so it's fine. Yeah. It's interesting. I like the theory... I mean, why are we showing us this stuff? Because why are you showing true. us Benjen? Why are you showing us Liana? Why are you showing us... Now, when he comes out of the flashback, uh, the old man in the tree, Three-Eyed Raven, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Three-Eyed Raven is what they call him. He, he says, you... you what, what is the exact word? Oh, it's beautiful beneath the sea, but if you stay too long, you'll drown. Right. Right? He should it's like that the holodeck. To, he probably should tell that to Balon Greyjoy too soon. That's, that's true. Yeah. Well... So I don't know. I don't know if that means anything. I, I at this point in the in the series, I find myself speculating as to every word, mm-hmm. every sentence. What does it mean? Where are they going? So everything is come come seems to be coming back. And I'll tell you. And I didn't say this in the initial impressions, but I it feels like it's starting to, to ramp up for an end. I agree, a hundred percent. And it makes me sad. Yeah, we're on we, the we inside. Are. I really think that's what we're doing here. Yeah is we're we're moving along quickly and we're moving through stuff quickly because the show's going to be over. Right. We're we're more than halfway through. We're we're going towards the end now. Way more than halfway through. We're 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 really moving towards the end. Yes. We're not continuing the story now. We're moving towards an ending. Gotcha. There you have it. Um so yeah, don't warg too long at one time. You'll forget who you are. The chat is telling us. So yeah, that makes sense. You don't want to get stuck in your little animal. It's like when but, you play WoW for too long. But he's not even in an animal. He's just going into this um reliving his past type thing, but that makes sense too. You don't want him to sit and watch his family and his father who who died when he was young and his uncle who he barely gets to know and Liana who he never got to know. Sure. He's like, "Oh, you know, my father never talked about her." Like how makes easy sense. it must be to just want to sit there and watch it and, and see your family alive again and happy and stuff. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's... it. it think about... You know, we dog on Bran a lot. We make fun of Bran. But one thing we have to remember is, is that... Can you imagine finding yourself in his position, right? Right. Hit polio legs aside. It's not polio. It's broken <laughs> spine legs. Come on. Yeah. Spindly spaghetti legs aside. He's growing up quite nicely. Tall boy. But um, he, I'll tell you, you get, you have to retreat. This whole thing happens at Winterfell. You lose your father. You lose your sisters. You lose your brothers. You lose Theon. You lose everybody that was close to you. Your mother, everyone. And you're with Hodor and a couple of strangers. Who are fucking super annoying. If you're right. talking about the, the reeds. 
I mean, I guess Max von Sydow is cool, and that creepy girl is cool. She's pretty wild, huh? I kind of like her. I'm going to be honest. I mean, that sucks. That sucks. Not to mention, he's in that the, the most horrible weather on the planet. And you know, people listening at home, you know what it's like. You you fucking when you if you live in a place that has a winter anyway. I'm not talking about you bunch of softies. But when you go out to your car, even in like January, if you have a light coat on, you're like, fuck, I want my car to get warm. It's it's hard to feel that when you're watching a TV show and you can feel it a little more when you're reading a book and you're, and you're hearing what the characters are thinking. But Bran's journey has been a motherfucker. It sucks. I feel bad for the kid. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> you're like, whatever. Suck it up, fucker. Um. Outside, Bran tells Mira all about his Hodor vision. And Mira's like, shut the fuck up. I don't get to see visions. I just have to sit around and do nothing and stare at a wall. And also my annoying brother, Jojen, is dead. That, I think, is exactly what she said. Didn't? Isn't that what you sensed? Because I did. Yeah, I definitely sensed that. I definitely sensed that, like, I'm an adolescent and I'm really in my annoying face. No, but are you making fun of me? Because I really sensed that she was like, what the fuck? I'm so sick of sitting in this cave and staring at a wall and I don't want to hear about your awesome adventures that are going on in your brain. I got you. Like Maybe a junk- Mira should do drugs. She's kind of like a, as mean as a junkyard dog, you'd say. No, I would not say that, actually, at all. <laughs> Anyway, outside, we have, um, he, he tells her about the coming war. So that's not good. He says, there's a war coming. There's a war coming. This according to the Three-Eyed Raven. And we get this real close shot on Mira as she contemplates this shit. And then this fae chick, this little fae baby. Yeah, she's cool. The she fae makes baby. me think of like a Shakespearean play, like Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, right? That's what she makes Like she hops of. around and she drinks brandy. I don't know. I just could picture her being like, in like a really like high quality like Midsummer Night's Dream like somewhere. Yeah. I did that play in high school, so I have a soft spot for it. Really? Like all Shakespeare. What did you? What were you? I was a fairy, but I didn't look like that. I can tell you that right now. Did you now. wear wings? No, I just wore a cool looking outfit. Did you hop around? Um, I don't remember. What did you say ago. on the stage? This is important. I don't know. It was something Shakespearean. I only had like five lines. Doth like my fairy wings? Something like that. No, I don't think Shakespeare ever wrote that, but. I think you're wrong. I think you better look a little closer at the appendix next time. Pretty sure that's exactly what he wrote. Anyway, she tells Mira that Bran needs her, this little girl. Yeah, and I'm like, ew, I hate right. Mira. Yeah, you do. You got to really back off. I mean, I have like this problem where I like when I hate people, I really hate them. And no. then sometimes I love them briefly like Stannis, but then I hate them again. Yeah. You are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Real judgmental. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not a nice person at all. <laughs> like, say, I'm not a nice person at all. <laughs> I didn't say you weren't nice. I'm just saying. You're like, I hate you forever. Unless what? they hold a what? What if they raise a litter of puppies? <laughs> all right. That's about it for Bran. Not much more going on here. What? Goodbye. I wonder what part Bran's going to play in the war. I don't know, I'll probably kill a bunch of my walkers and be really powerful and stuff. And then we'll be like, oh, Bran's really cool. And I'll feel bad that I talk so much shit. I think you will. I'm not, but what's Mira going to do? I'm not going to feel bad about the shit <laughs> I talked about her. So Yeah, who knows? Bye. I wonder, these, these little fake creatures that can just throw fireballs at whites and blow them up, that's going to come into this somehow. Oh, for sure. It's got to. There's no way they can arm everyone with fucking Valyrian steel and shit and dragon glass. So they can fight off the whites. They're going to have to do something. And it's got to have something to do with these little crazy children. Or dragons, I guess, could fly over and just... I feel like dragons will be important. They seem pretty pretty cool. Mm, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, all right. 
So number two, you said Bravos. Yeah, let's just get the shot of the way. Okay, can I summarize Bravos? Okay, go. A girl is not a beggar anymore. Okay, moving on <laughs> to Marine. <laughs> all right. In all, in all, in all honesty, I have to tell you something. I'm happy that this, the trial of Arya is over. It's good. Be done with it. She's going back to Jack Hagar. Is she going to toss the goddamn sword or not? I don't know. Here's what I know about Arya. I used to love Arya, and she was basically my favorite. And now, when she's on screen, I get up and pour myself another glass of wine. <laughs> Honestly. I'm not going to lie. I definitely flip through Facebook. You're like, oh, what's going on in the Facebook world? Arya's on the TV. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, Andre Ramos just posted some funny shit on the Game of Thrones page. That's funny. And then I go, oh, the Arya shit's done. Let's I move on. I check my little like, Neko Atsume cat game. I'm like, oh, what are my cats doing? <laughs> with the X, X's for buttholes? Yeah, with their X's Ugh, for buttholes. I hate that game. I freak you don't even know. You've out. never even played it. It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. You just stop that. Well, all right. Honestly. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say, too. There's plenty to talk about in Marine, though. Let's do it. Jessica, question. Go. If you lost your cock, would you drink all the time? Well, I don't have a cock and I do drink all the time. So by process of elimination, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> but what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> <laughs> the me not having a cock came first. <laughs> all right, just make sure. Then the wine. So you might as well pour some wine. For sure. Awesome. I got it. I'm good. I'm going. I just like that Tyrion says that and literally he's the only person in the room with a cock. That's my favorite part. That is that. pretty wild. Yeah. Well, you know, man, that's just like, don't let your like sexual identity be tied up in like traditional gender roles, okay? It's like whatever you identify as. Okay. But either you have a cock or you don't have a cock. That's and, true. Like yeah. you can be a dude with no cock, but you still don't have one. So you speak all. only the truth. You have an airtight argument. I know. If only you could have been there for Tyrion when his father <laughs> condemned him to die. <laughs> Maybe the great Tywin would still be alive. And King's Landing wouldn't be in fucking shambles with those dirty, smelly, fucking gross feet having <laughs> faith militants. Ew. I wish he would come back, honestly. I wish Tywin would come back and clean up the streets. We'll get to that. We'll get Melisandre over to wherever his dead corpse is yeah, might, and might we'll go from late. there. Might be a little late for him. That's what you think. So they talk about the burned fleet. Yeah, right in this episode, they talk about it. Hmm. They have a burned fleet. And then... Kind of a big deal. Yara's all like, we have an awesome fleet. Hmm. Hmm. Crazy. Maybe we can hook up, bro. So they discuss their burn fleet. They're losing their grip. The masters are retaking territory. They retook Astapor and Yunkai. So right now, Marine's the only place without slaves, basically. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, she hasn't been gone that long. Long enough for them to retake two territories. And for the dragons to go anorexic on them, because they're pretty upset that Danny's gone. Yeah. And then Tyrion just starts asking about dragons. Dragons don't do well in captivity. How do you know this? I drink and I know things. Yeah, let's just take a moment to discuss how that is the greatest thing ever said on Game of Thrones, and I want it on a t-shirt. So people in the chat, when you start seeing on the internet those t-shirts popping up, send me a link so I can buy one immediately. Because that's the quote of my life, because I drink and I know things. In retrospect, we should have called this We Drink and Know Things, a Game of Thrones podcast. Right? It might be time to rebrand. Because it's so true. <laughs> if only there was only more episodes left in the show, it'd be worth the effort. Oh my God. It is maybe, it it might be one of the greatest lines ever written down on paper. Honest to God. It's pretty damn close. I loved it. Talk to me about Tyrion and the dragons. 
Okay, so I love this scene a lot, and it may not have the dragons any... remind me of like um, I don't know. What do you think? What do they remind you of? <laughs> Tell me the truth. Oh, 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 is that what they remind you of? Who's a good girl? You're a good girl. Ha! So the dragons. These people want to get drunk, and you're not helping I know. them. <laughs> Huh. I'm good now, but you know we're going to get to the point where I have no choice, right? Uh, yes, I'm familiar. Okay, so the dragons were awesome. They looked awesome. They seemed so cool. I love Tyrion's bravery, and I like when they get He's there. Awesome, man. I like what he says when they say dragons have affection for their friends and fury for their enemies. And Tyrion says, I'm their friend. And Vera says, do they know that? <laughs> and Tyrion yes. says, they will. I love that. I like that Tyrion is scared, but he's determined to do this. You know what I like about the Varys-Tyrion dynamic? I like that somehow Varys is still surprised by Tyrion. And that's one of these moments. Mm -hmm. Varys isn't surprised by much with his little birds. My little birds. He knows shit, right? Speaking of knowing shit, I have no Mm -hmm. cock and I know shit. That's his saying. Sure it is. Put that on a t-shirt and Dean will wear it. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. Holy holy shit, that was a good burn. (laughs) He might just not have the berries. Or do we know? We don't know. That's still the question because Daenerys asked Masande, and I'm, I think by now Masande knows she's definitely, mm. you know. Yeah, I gotcha. She knows. She yearns for that Jon Snow. Uh, that Masande? She well, you know, you know what I'm talking about. No, she doesn't. You're yeah, right. you know Continue. what I mean. I'm telling you, these chicks like the uh, frozen white guys. Uh, what was I telling I you? Oh, we're talking yes, about Yes, so the Varys and Tyrion dynamic I like a lot. The reason I like it so much is, is because Varys is seldom surprised, and yet Tyrion surprises him with these random acts of bravery, these acts of insight, and it's really refreshing to see Varys go, hmm. And it right. probably just reaffirms with Varys that Tyrion was the right choice. Right. Continue. So Tyrion says a lot of great things in the scene. I like this as I'm here to help, don't eat the help. Um, but he tells a story to the dragons and I, and I love this and it, it strikes me so much as someone talking to an animal, like especially an animal rescue type of situation. It, it really spoke to me. Right. Um, he, he likes the story. He wanted a dragon and he said he didn't even care if it was a big dragon. It could be little like me, which to me is a very powerful thing for him to say. It's very emotional. Um, when he was told that the dragons were extinct, he cried himself to sleep. Yeah. But here they are. Yeah. Like, this is an amazing thing for Tyrion. This is something, like, wonderful to him, which is a side of Tyrion we don't see often. The, when, when he touches that dragon, it's, it's just, great. it's lovely. It's great. Yep. I cried myself to sleep that night, and then he touches the dragon. But here you are. This reminds me when Oberyn told the story of Tyrion, doesn't it? Yes. It's that same kind of feeling yes. here. Yes. This same kind of, this this child in pain, this Tyrion, this poor child in pain, and how Oberyn was so unimpressed with his monstrousness. Right. He just found him a little odd-looking boy. Nothing to scoff at, right? Right. With a tiny pink cock. Mm-hmm. But nothing, he didn't understand what all the hubbub was about, and that made Tyrion feel really good. He didn't feel like such a fucking monster. And this is a scene that has that similar kind of touching nature to it. And that's what I like about it a lot, too. It also makes me think of when he first saw Drogon fly over. And how amazed he was. His face was perfect. Right. It's great. And I have to comment on he unchains the first dragon 
And what's interesting, they say like the dragons know their friends, they know their enemies, they're smart. And we see that right away because he talks to the dragons. It's like they're listening. But when he unchains the first dragon, the second comes over and tilts his head so that the chain is within sure. Tyrion's reach. Like, unchain me too. Sure. And I thought that that was whatever. It was lovely to me. I was like, oh, I'm so excited about it's these awesome. dragons being freed and I just want to pet them and hug them. But also, it, it really shows you how intelligent they are. When Fry, uh, when Fry, Jesus Christ, Fry in the chat, Floyd Fry in the tra- chat is saying, I cannot talk. And he's only drinking Diet Pepsi, guys. He's throw, <laughs> I don't know what he put in that Diet Pepsi, but I Drink, thought that was all he's just going to throw it out there. Um, well, you don't know what's in here, do you? No, I guess That's I fine. don't. So um, Floyd in the chat was saying that how awesome it looked when it was in the dark and its mouth was open. You could just see the flame like yes, lit in the back so of its cool. mouth. Yeah, man. The dragons looked fantastic. We should probably talk a little bit about the special effects here. Having them in a darkened place without real garish light on them is the way to go. For sure. But they look as good as any CG has ever looked. And uh, I have to commend them on that. And that's something that's that's smart. You know, we saw them save the Battle of Blackwater. We saw how they could save money on big epic battles. Right. Save budgets. Just show aftermaths of battles and things like that. And they really, it's its doing them justice. The dragons look fantastic. I like that a lot. So, man, I got to tell you, when if you would have said to me, Jessica, if you would have said to me, Dean, when we sit down to watch this, Tyrion's going to make friends with these dragons. I said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's going to make friends with the fucking dragons. That doesn't even make any sense. When you think about it retrospectively, it seems so ludicrous, but it's done so well. And I'm shocked that this is the direction it went. I didn't think this was going to be it at all. I figured Tyrion's going to be this advisory role. She's going to control the dragons. Then she takes off and he's like, let's, we need the dragons and uh, a brave move. And it's a move that I think is really going to pay off. And I think these dragons are going to end up liking this little dude. I think so too. Yeah. But next time he has an idea like that, punch him in the face. He tells Varys. Yeah. Also a great line. Gotta I love the out. shot of Bar- uh, of Varys way far away. I know. He's, he's like, like fuck, fuck you. Fuck this. This is the worst idea of all time. So that wraps Marine, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. No no, Danny this week. No Danny. How do you think she's holding up in that smelly camp? She's probably doing fine. She's just with a bunch of women who have dead husbands, and she's probably the coolest of them all. So mm. pretty good. Pretty good. She's fine. She's about to take over the Dothraki and have them fight for her, so I'm not too concerned about Danny. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. I'm not worried about her. Strong woman. She's going to go to that ex-wife, oh, les- lesby-, lesby Island, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> what else are you going to do? You know, when your husband dies, you just might as well become a lesbian, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> do you think she gets the Melissa Etheridge CD shipped to a P.O. box so nobody, <laughs> nobody knows that? Ah! I like Melissa. Come to my window. All right. Sorry. King's Landing, motherfuckers. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about Dean's favorite character in the show. And by the way, no one picked Who is my favorite character in the show? The drunk guy. Oh, he's amazing. Um, No one in their Deadpool had drunken King's Landing, dude. Uh, he had a lot of drunken re- Night's Watchmen, but somebody missed out on this, bro. What'd you call him? Drunken King's Landing, dude. Also known as drunken big dick Cersei wants him, dude. Yeah, full show. Up. This according to him. Full show. Well, King's Landing dudes and dudettes, let's do this. I've never been shy and I'm blessed <laughs> down south, he says. 
He's Australian now too. I gotta tell you, if you're gonna, if this is your final set, he murders. He just murders. Like his if set you were tonight. just gonna come on the show to be murdered, don't you want to be this guy? I gotta, I, I gotta be honest with you. If 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 this guy, if this guy is only doing open mics, he definitely could get a Netflix special, right? He's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> See, from King's Landing, yeah, he fucking runs out. Oh fuck off! He's got his whole. Got a, Pisses on the Franken Mountain. Oh, <laughs> no more shows for you, sir. <laughs> he pissed on the Major D. Um, well, I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. I don't know either, but I'm scared about what you're drinking. And I don't know the answer because I just came straight from work into this room and you already had that Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Can I tell you what's going on with me? Brief aside. I'm a little scared, but yeah. No, you know. I do? Yeah. So I'm doing this, um, I'm doing this super, super low oh. sugar diet. Um I'm trying to take in 10 grams or under a day, and I started it today, and I started getting a headache. I mean, I'll eat a piece of fruit, but if sugar's in the ingredients, I try to avoid it. It's kind of like a sugar cleanse. I'm kind of doing it too, but not as well. I don't eat a ton of sugar, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm just trying to tighten up the ship over here as part of my uh, fitness slash diet routine, and um, I, uh, I had started getting a headache in the middle of the day, popped a couple Advil. But I'm now. I now feel a little bit loopy. I just had a little bit of sugar, but I'm feeling a little bit loopy, and uh, I'm loving it. I'm fucking soaring. Uh, guys, there's only 0.9 grams of sugar in red wine, so I can keep drinking. Ah, <laughs> yes, awesome. Because I wasn't going to give that up anyway. I'm going to be honest. Is this Franken Mountain kill not the greatest thing you've ever seen? Until one one the giant kills somebody later. Okay, you're right. But dude. Wow, that just hand smash into the guy's fucking crushed his skull. Just totally like casually. Like, it's like, hey, I'm going to kill you. And then he just walks back to Cersei like, what's up, Cersei? So, Got blood all over me. No big deal. Dude. All right. We're going to talk about Cersei right now. Do we think that the Franken Mountain has been tasked by Cersei to parade around King's Landing and kill people that say shit? Yeah. Did you not listen to when the Franken Mountain was introduced to Cersei? What um, that fucking douche I don't like, Highburn said. Yep. I do know what he, he said. He said he took a vow of silence until all your enemies are dead. Right. So if you talk shit about Cersei, you're an enemy. So you are now dead. Wow. That's pretty strict. No shit. But it's the truth. All he He's said not fucking around. Was. I hear Jamie Lannis has got a little dick. That is being an enemy of Cersei because Cersei don't like that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, so if somebody just mouths off, he's going to... In other words, I doubt Cersei even told him to do anything. I just think he's parading around the streets murdering people. I'm not saying that was why he was brought back and he he was told like, okay, you got brought back and you can't speak and all you've got to do is take down Cersei's enemies. So he's like, great. And anytime someone's like Cersei and it's not love Cersei, she's the best, Hmm. then he kills them. I like it. Fair enough. All right. So Cersei's pulling out this like fray string on her dress. I was like, what the fuck? The Franken Mountain Mountain walks in to her chamber. The two of them then attempt to leave and they get stopped by Lannister guards. She wants to go to Marcella's funeral. Makes sense. And she can't per order of the king. The king's order, your grace. The king's order. And boy, these Lannister guards are having a pants shitting moment. Now they are Lannister guards. They are not. They are not the uh, what the hell is Jamie part of? Kingsguard. They're not Kingsguard. Although Franken Mountain's wearing Kingsguard, which is funny because he's right by her side. He's nowhere near Tommen. And what do you think about this scene, Cersei? I got some thoughts about Cersei this week. Okay. That I can't wait to get into. Sure. Now. I think she might be a little bit different. We talked about this a little last time. We speculated a little bit about it. Is this? walk of shame that she completed 
over. Shaken her confidence slightly? I think it's changed her. I, I, I really do. Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, she, do, she knows the Frankenmountain could just wade through these guys like fucking butter, right? She doesn't do it. And I think those guys know too because they were pretty fucking scared and they were pretty happy when she took a step back. For sure. They're Lannister guards. Careful of this here. Sorry. That's okay. Just because if you pull it, the internet will go out and we'll lose the chat. That would be a problem. That's okay. No worries. So they're Lannister guards. She doesn't want to murder her house troops, right? Right. And I'm thinking though, a pre-walk Cersei being told no by guards that she feels she's more powerful than, I got a funny feeling she would have went through those guards with Franken Mountain a season ago. Right. I really believe that. Uh, and this is this is evidence to support what I think about Cersei. I think that. Two, when 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 they meet up later, we're going to talk about Tommy, Tommen and Jamie in a minute, but I'm going to go right to Tommen and Cersei, and then I'll come back to Jamie and Tommen, okay? Since I'm talking about Cersei. Tommen and Cersei are chatting. He for, Tommen forbade her to go to the funeral of her fucking daughter. Normally, this would piss her off, and she'd have something to say. She has no anger, no ill will. She immediately asks Tommen about what Marcella was wearing. She immediately says, it's good to see you, right? And I know she loves her kids. I know that's not new, but there's no ill will. She's not harboring resentment for the guards that stopped her, for her son that said she couldn't go. She didn't dress him down. She has a different look in her eyes. She uses a word that I don't think she's ever used called understand. I understand. I understand, she says. I get why you did what you did. In the chat, they're talking about how she might be biding her time. Yeah, might, maybe, but these are all her people. These people know who she is. She's There's nobody here she needs to fool. She doesn't need to fool Tom, and she doesn't need to fool Lannister Guard. She doesn't need to fool Frank and Mountain. She doesn't need to fool anybody. I could see if she was interacting with other people, like the High Sparrow, how she might be being deceptive, but that's what I'm saying. These lone moments in the chamber with her son, I'm telling you, Tommen is more angry than he is. He's like, I should have been able to protect you. I'm crying. You raised me to be strong and I wasn't. I want to be. Help me. And she says, always. Right. Doesn't chastise him. Doesn't. Nothing of the sort. I'm telling you, man, I think there is some change that's taken place with Cersei. And I think that's one of the questions that we haven't pondered much because we just know Cersei. We've watched her for six seasons, five seasons. And we're like, this lady is a calculated, cool motherfucker, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing a. Now we're wondering, at least I am, if we're seeing a different side. This thing with Maggie, the the prophet lady. Yeah, I I definitely think that she is concerned about losing Tommen since the prophecy is already starting to come true. Um, but I still think there's some manipulation there with how she deals with Tommen. Right. I still think that there is. Yeah. I think she just can't help that though. Right. Right. But I yeah. think that she's. There seems to be more, a more hesitant, a more measured response to her. Maybe it's maybe I'm reading it wrong, and it is simply just hesitation and, and fear based. But I wonder, I really do. I, I agree. People in the chat are saying she's biding her time. She's doing all this, and I think so too. I think that we're gonna Tom is gonna die. Wish I took him in my Deadpool, and when he dies, Cersei's gonna fucking go crazy because she is on the edge. I feel like you think if Tommen dies, she'll lose her shit. Oh yeah, I don't. Oh, only because I think she's knows it's coming. I think she believes the prophecy. I think she knows it's coming. I think she said it's all true. I know it's going to happen. It's this weird reversal of of fortune between her and the red wedding, the, uh, the red wedding, the red woman, this dynamic, like she's lost faith and now Cersei has it and believes it. The red woman does not believe the prophecy and, and, and Cersei does. It, I mean, different prophecies, but it's this interesting 
weird mirror between these two women. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Let's talk Tommen and Jamie. Yeah. Tommen's angry with the mom, he tells him. I just want to point out something that was sad and this was, um, I don't know, sad to me, where Tommen sees Marcella. He hasn't seen her in a long time and he says she grew up. And Jamie says, almost. Mm. I think that's really fucking sad. Super sad. Like, people die in the show all the time. And unless it's like this character that we love so much that we have to freak out about it, we don't really take the time to to think about it. And I think that that was, that was very sad to me. The like, way Tom hasn't it. seen her in so long. And he's like, wow, she grew up. And Jamie's response to that is almost. Yeah. And that's the truth. This little girl who did nothing, who's a child, mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to grow up. She did a little better than Ramsey's baby brother. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> she did grow up more than him. That's a victory in my book. <laughs> little Roos Jr. <laughs> she didn't become Dogo Argentino food. <laughs> What's that again? Oh, sorry. I, I think some of them are Cain Corsos. I think you're right. You know, you know better count? than I do. Yep, it does. Drink up, everybody. She said Cain Corso. Out of wine. Oh. Uh, that's Jessica not staying on the mic and not speaking Sorry. up, guys. They're chat. They're telling you you're sound low. You got to stay on the mic. I'm trying to teach you. This yeah, but shit. then someone will say I talk too loud. No, they and... won't. Don't worry oh, about God. it. God, they have volume control. Stay on the mic, girl. All right. So Tommen was told by the highest power that Cersei wouldn't be allowed to enter the sep. So Tommen admits to Jamie that this the high sparrow said this. That's why. Yeah, but Tommen is mad at Cersei too, and right. I want to point this out. There is a there, there's a part of Tommen that's mad at Cersei or wants to be mad, at, mad at Cersei, at but then there's a bigger part of him that's mad at himself. And I wonder if the things like where Tommen's like, "Well, I bet Mother killed Christine," and he's like, "Jamie's like, no, no." I wonder if he's saying this shit because he wants to be mad at Cersei, so he's not mad at himself because he he does feel guilty, like he says to her later, that he should have killed everyone, like she would have done for him, mm-hmm. and he could not do that for her. Here's what I think. I think this plays into the next scene because this comes before the one we talked about. You know, Jamie tries to reassure him. We all fail sometimes. Um, but m- part of me feels like if I'm if I'm right about Cersei maybe being a little changed, I'm not saying she's not going to try to do things and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's funny that she would have had me kill everybody and all this shit. It's almost like now she's like doesn't care. Like, I don't care that you didn't kill everybody anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. That's what I'm saying. She seems indifferent to this part of it. And I like how Tommen reflects Cersei pre-walk, who should have been had this rage and come down on him hard and had been this fucking Old Testament and fucked fools up. And now he's mad that he didn't do what his mom would have wanted him to do. And his mom's like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, I guess that's what I'm seeing here in this dynamic. And that's what I like about it. So is Tommen going to be a crazy psycho now? I don't know, man, but he's not long for this world. Sorry, dude. No. I, oh, God. Do you have him in your death pool? I don't know. Uh, probably. Ugh. But then that's what you also said, like when you tried to lie to me and tell me you had... Roos. Roos. You do have Tom <laughs> and he was your first pick. Yeah. So <laughs> I believe the prophecy too. So the High Sparrow enters and tells the king uh, tells the king he has to wait to see his wife. So the high, the balls on this guy... The balls, He's the fucking worst. The balls and the dirty feet on this guy. He tells the king, "You have to wait to see your wife. She's a, she's going. She hasn't chosen to atone yet." And then Jamie's like, "You know what? Go see your mother." And he confronts the High Sparrow. I fear a great deal, and he names all these fucking gods and shit. And then Jamie asks the High Sparrow about his sins. What atonement do I deserve? Jamie asks. And the best line in the episode is is when Jamie says, "The gods have spilled more blood than the rest of us combined." Yeah, I like that. It is such a good line because 
I think it points out the hypocrisy here. Now, I understand where the high spiral is coming from, but I still feel fuckery is afoot with this guy. When Jamie threatens him and says he could kill him, and the high spiral says, you know, we're all weak, we're all vain creatures, and you could definitely kill me before the faith militant intervened, but they'd eventually overwhelm you. Jamie says, I've fought in worse odds. They'll eventually overwhelm you. And they're really nobodies. So right. is it worth your life to trade for all these nobodies who are going to kill you if you kill me, right? Right. And I get that. I get that sentiment here. I get that we're just common servants of the gods. We will take you, the great Jamie Lannister, down. Together and, we can overthrow an empire. Right. That's the line that troubles me so much. When he says, together we can overthrow an empire... I don't think this is a man who is looking out for, do you know what I'm saying? To, that kind of line to me is makes me feel like there's this real hint of arrogance coming off oh, this 100%. guy. 100%. And even if you are on the high spiral side and you think, oh, he's just being, he's just being true to his faith. He's being like this. He's being the, because that's the argument, right? Is the high right. sparrow 100% pure in his faith? Does he, does he, is he enacting the God's will as it's written and as he understands it? In, in the way he's conducting his business? Is that the way he's being? Not by that line, he's not. That line troubles me because we can overthrow an empire. Really? For, okay. What does that even mean? Why would you even say that? He's threatening Jamie. Yeah. What he should be saying is, is you know, together we can we can cleanse the land. But he's together not even saying together can, with Jamie. He's saying together with the other faith militant. Like right. that they're poor and powerless and they can overthrow an empire. And that's him yeah, being yeah, cocky yeah. Yes. to Jamie. That's what I'm saying. Because he didn't he already take the queen and throw her in jail? If he can do that, the queen regent, whatever. Right. Can't he do anything? Right. But the fine line here is, is that if he throws the queen in jail... You could argue that he's following a strict religious protocol, which states she sinned, therefore right. she goes to jail. And I get that. I like, in other words, I don't agree with his philosophy and with his religion, but I understand why he's trying to be logically consistent in his beliefs by locking up these people who are doing these things. And he's of the opinion that once you atone for your sins, your fucking right is reign. So what does that mean? Does that mean everybody does this walk of shame with their with their fucking dicks and their and their vages hanging out, and then they're all forgiven? Because Cersei goes right back to her life. Everything's fine. What what does it all mean? What what's what's the goal here? Is it just to the spreading of the religion? Is it just that he wants to stay faithful? And that's what I've always tried to wrap my head around. But when he says together we can overthrow an empire, I think, but why why does that matter? Shouldn't you be saying together with your faith militant brothers, mm -hmm. you can clean the land, you can bring the gods back to Westeros, you can, but he doesn't. The way he says that is a little bit, it's a, like a threat to me. It's a subtle threat to me. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust this fucking guy. I don't, I think if you, I think beneath the uh, the dirty toes, there's, uh, there's something there, something more uh, menacing. That's what I'm trying to say. I agree. But boy, did I not want Jamie to stab him one. Yeah, I thought he was going to for a second and I was really scared because then you would overtake me on the Deadpool and you're the only <laughs> person I really care about competing with. Um, but then I was like, oh, but what if all the rest of these motherfuckers kill Jamie? Like, Jamie's not anybody's Deadpool. They would really miss out. Yeah, that's a good point. Let us embrace the young Sansa Stark and see what she's got um, going sure. on. Sure. All right, let's do it. So, I'm Sansa. Brian's speaking with Sansa. Sansa learns about Arya. I like this. It's very something very optimistic for Sansa to know that Arya is alive and that as far as Bran knows, she seemed well. Yes. 
I like this a lot, man. I this could be a turning point for Sansa, right? Why are you pronouncing her name that way? It's really like freaking Tyrion, me out. Sansa. I don't like it. I'm gonna speak Sansa from now on. I don't like it. I think this is the tipping point for Sansa. <laughs> oh my god, I hate it. What do you call her? Sansa. It's Sansa. If you want to be technical. Maybe I don't want to be technical. That's Paul Redheaded Broad. What's her name again? You should just say it like that. Sure. Well, I do think it's a turning point for her because it's the start of good news. She has escaped. She's with Brienne. She says, you know, I really should have gone with you when I had the chance. When Sansa had the chance. Uh, we do hear some horses neighing in the distance, and this brings us to our parting of ways with Theon and her. Very so. surprised. Did not expect this. I was really looking forward to the roadshow of Pod and Brienne and Sansa and Theon. I thought it was going to be a lot of fun. They were going to have a lot of laughs, a lot of you know tears, just a lot of amazing activity, and mm-hmm. this is not happening because Theon is out of here. Dick jokes, dead father jokes. Yeah, for sure. Those dead were brother coming. jokes. Brienne being in love with a gay guy jokes. <laughs> The Rainbow Knight. Rainbow. He's not a knight. He was a king. Renly. I said Renly. I don't know why I said that. That was stupid. Mm. Too much wine. He danced with her once. I love that story. So don't even make jokes about it. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) So this is completely unexpected. And I think I'm very fearful that it spells doom for Theon. And I know everyone's like, oh, Balon's dead and blah, 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 blah. I don't know, man. Do I think Theon's going to be able to get away in Ramsay's land? I think Theon's going to get killed next week. Honestly, I'm really low on Theon's hope, and I wish I had him in my Deadpool. I don't know. Um, do you think... What's odd about this is that he's fleeing because he thinks Jon Snow is going to put him to death. N- not necessarily. No, you're, you're incorrect. And he believes he doesn't believe... He believes he doesn't deserve repentance. Right. Their conversation says, like, he says, John will kill me, and Sansa says, no, she's going to tell him the truth. But he's like, but the truth is still that I killed those two boys, right. and I beheaded this guy, and I did all this bad stuff. And Sansa's like, it's okay. All your crimes will be forgiven. You'll take the black, mm-hmm. which is the assumption. And I that, don't want to be forgiven. But the thought of me, like Theon, like joining the Night's Watch, I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with this. But he doesn't want it. He needs to make amends. And going to the wall and taking the black isn't going to be making amends. Mm. And I like that when he leaves her, he says that he would have taken her all the way to the wall and he would have died to get her there. Yeah. There's something like very emotional about this Theon's interactions with Sansa and how he feels about her and how strongly he feels about the Starks and how much he like repents for the mistakes that he's made. Um, But I also think there's a lot of power when he, when Sansa says, where will you go? And he says home, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. VP nine in the chat says, Theon is going home to a death, but I don't even think he's going to make it to the iron islands guys. Like I think Ramsey's people are going to pick him up. I'll tell you, it's going to be tough for him. He, um, I just don't see it ending well for Theon. This is what George R. R. Martin has done to me. I see very little hope for most characters, especially Theon after his treachery at Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it would be a nice, a pleasant fiction to imagine him going back to the Iron Islands to reclaiming that which is his. It seems like a nice setup with Balon dying. We know Yara is high on Theon. Uh, I just don't know. I, I don't. Part of me wonders. I feel like Theon's too smart to to willingly go back to Ramsay because a, a horrific death awaits him there. I don't think he willingly go back to Ramsay either, but I think he's going to get picked up or if he's going to go back to try to kill Ramsay, I, I don't think he ever makes it back to, to Pike. Right. Yeah, Lone Star in the chat says, in the preview, someone says they have a gift for Ramsay 
and uh, people are speculating as to who that might be. I don't know. There, there's names coming up in the chat. I don't know if that's definitive evidence. If so, I'm not going to say it because it's a spoiler. I don't think that those are spoilers. It's I hard think. to tell because I don't know. I don't know what happens in the fucking book. But uh, I am concerned. I am concerned about that gift. Uh, in fact, maybe oh, being David Earl says he's just guessing. That's not really a spoiler. Okay. So uh, in, in the preview for next week, uh, somebody presents Ramsey with a gift, and I'm thinking, is it Theon? Does that's he get what picked I think. up? And uh, David Earl is guessing perhaps it's Rickon. We haven't seen Which him in a great while. Great too, actually, to be honest with you, because like let's just tie that plot line up by letting Ramsey kill another child. I mean, <laughs> honest to God, like does anyone? I mean, Rick, Rickon and Osha have been off just chilling and living their lives. At this point, let's just kill him off and get him out of the way. Like, we're not afraid to kill children here, people. We're not afraid. I think the dogs will be ready to eat, don't you? I'm probably going to be pretty hungry. I mean, they just had baby flesh. So. Do you think that filled him up? I mean, Walda probably filled him up, but. Yeah, that was that was a good meal. Walda was a good meal. Delicious. Not like a anorexic freaking Miranda that they had last week. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Hip bones. Stay away. Crunchy. Well, they hug. They cry. It's touching. Theon says he's going home, and he leaves. So you What's think, going on at home? Let me ask saying. you this. You think Theon dies next week? I, I think he'll be dead by the end of episode four. Because it depends on what we're going to see. So, so let me ask you this. Do you believe that Theon's arc has ended now that he's rescued Sansa? Unless he's going to kill. If you call her that again, I'm going to kill you. Do you, think, do you think he has a chance now that he's rescued Sansa. I'm actually going to feed you to the dogs. Um, oh, shit. Unless he's going to kill Ramsay, which I don't think is what's going to happen. I just don't anymore. There was a point where I thought he was going to kill Ramsay and that was going to be our thing. But I got to be honest, guys, I don't think we're going to lose Ramsay this season. I think we still got a lot of Ramsay being the ultimate bad guy going on. And I think he's in a very precarious spot where he doesn't really have as strong a hold on the North as he thinks. Yep. But I don't think we're going to lose him yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to tell you, you, so you think Ramsey's going to live. You don't think Theon's going to do him in. Correct. You think Theon's arc has concluded. Yeah, I, I think that Ramsey's going to kill Theon. Unless he was going to go to the wall and take the black, and that would have been really cool, but it's not going to happen. So you think Theon's arc is done. For, I do. For the fifth time. Um, But Lone Star Kid in the chat says it would be great if he made it back to claim the Iron Island throne. That would be awesome, too. Like, would that would be, be awesome. Completely. We what's great about this material is is that we're such pessimists with I everyone. Know. <laughs> <laughs> remember like, optimism, that funny thing we all used to have. Yeah, they're like back in season one. Yeah, yeah. Ned Stark had his head. Yeah, crazy, crazy. But um, I don't know. Why don't we do this? You take the position that that he's dead. I'm going to suggest that I'm going to go for the optimism. And I'm going to say he gets to the Iron Islands. Does he die there? No, I don't think. I don't think Theon's arc is concluded. Do you remember the time when Theon saw Yara and he like wanted to bang her, and then he realized it was his sister? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's a random thing to remember. I don't know because I was just thinking about him arriving again, and uh, I know, you know he never tried to bang Sansa, which is good. I don't. Know. I wish he would. Oh my god! <laughs> Speaking of Sansa, where do you think oh. she's going? She's going to the the wall. Yeah? Think she's going to get there? Nope. What the fuck? What are you talking about? How beat down are you? I don't. Okay, so she's going to die? No, I think she's going to die. I think that there's a character we have not seen yet this season that I wait for with bated breath who's going to swoop in and mess this shit up. Who's it going to be? His name is Littlefinger. <laughs> 
the fuck he's roaming around the northern wood? <laughs> Just out chopping down trees? I don't know where he is. Carving fucking bushes that look well, like Sansa? He out, <laughs> when he finds out Sansa got away, he's going to be like, oh shit, I need to find her because I'm kind of in love with her and also I need her for power. And he's going to go find her. All right. But he's not going to die. Whoever has him in their death pool, Maria, I think that's you. You think little okay? No, so I don't think he's gonna. Die. You think Littlefinger's gonna come back and get and get wrapped up with Sansa, and they're gonna they're gonna be happy, and I'm she's sure not gonna, gonna go to the happy. wall. I just said she's not gonna go to the wall. She's gonna go to the veil. Then that's what you're saying. I don't know where she's gonna go, but Littlefinger's so gonna come I, back, and he's gonna stop this. The siblings are not gonna unite with each other. It's not going to happen. Okay, Jesus Christ, you're a cold woman. Do we not you're, you're remember cold... when Arya arrived outside the Red Wedding happily to see her brother with a a, a wolf head on his body? Shots, oh, wolf counts. Fuck. Gotcha. All right, moving along. I think I think she's going to be all right. I don't know, but like, where's Littlefinger? Can we talk about that for like two seconds? There's nothing to say. There's a it's lo- not on my numbered <laughs> list of things we need to talk about tonight. But I love him. Why did you? <laughs> okay. All right. So, anything else you want to say about um, Sansa? The odds of me murdering you today are so high. Fair like, enough. They're just so high. Fair enough. Let's go to... The Antome. The Iron Islands. My notes say, well, hello, ba- Balon Greyjoy, exclamation point. May we keep our ticks. That's what so, I wrote. Yar tells Balon that Deepwood Mott has been taken, that all the men are dead. No strongholds on the mainland. Right. We can defeat anyone at sea, but we can't hold lands. Oh, really? Oh, because we know. know some people that need a fleet. I, I know somebody who needs a fleet. I got burned. I also like when Balon says War of the Five Kings. Four are dead. Guess what, Balon? It's about to be five, motherfucker. About to be five. You just sealed your own fate. So Balon Greyjoy is a character I really wish I could have come to learn more. The, the, uh, the I'm disappointed with his death so early, honestly. I'm going to throw it out there. I, and I understand like shots. we're doing... She's just throwing it out there. You don't get shots from me saying that. They absolutely do. That's that doesn't the rules. seem fair. So what stupid stuff do you say all the time that I can make people drink about? Mm. I don't know, but I'm but, thinking um, about it. Balon strikes me as being somebody who is similar to Stannis, but just more unreasonable and more like he's very, he's very stubborn. Stannis is very stubborn. But Stannis was stubborn and charismatic. No, I know. I know. Balon certainly is a cantankerous, mean old bitch. Yeah, like he reminds me of like Walter Frey. Yeah. And his like not likability. Yeah. Non likability. Yeah. Uh well, yeah, Balon's dead man. He goes out. I really I I'm really intrigued by the Greyjoys. I would read a book about them. I would read a book about them because I really like like raiders and guys on the water like that. That's cool. I uh, I want to see how they all interact. I'm interested in the Greyjoys. I want to know more. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but yeah, that's how I feel about the Greyjoys, honestly. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, so he goes to this rickety ass bridge with his rickety ass old body. Why don't you just ask for death, honest to God? Like, I, I can't even. I'm scared of normal bridges that cars drive over. Right. If I saw this bridge a mile away, like I could just see it in the distance, I wouldn't even walk in that general direction. That's uh, like severe. every nightmare I have is of that bridge, basically. You should definitely seek treatment for that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've only read the first three books. They're telling me in the chat that the story for the Greyjoys is in the books. I've read the first three books. Maybe I missed it. I never read Feast of Crows or Dance of Dragons or, I don't know, Feed the Babies to the Puppies. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so I think in the book he falls by accident. I think Balon like, like is an accidental death. Like he falls off of a bridge or something. 
I don't know if I'm right about that, but I'm pretty sure that's how he meets his he death. He just made that shit up. No, I think he's is celebrating Stannis' death and he gets hammered and I think he falls to his death. I'm pretty sure. He's celebrating Stannis' death? Yeah. Stannis dies in the books? Well, I think that's what happens in the books. Anyway, so we're going to we're gonna get into a little bit of Iron Island. Iron? Jesus. We're going to get into the Iron Islands talk a little bit as we get to the end of this episode post credits. so stick around with us. We'll get into the Wikipedia and talk a little bit about some of the brothers and who we think this fucking guy is who shows up with these... He's got a lot of shit to say. Why don't you tell us what he says? He says, I don't mock the drowned god. I am the drowned god. He says, I am the storm brother, the first storm and the last. You're in my way. And I'm like, this bro's cool. I like him. I like that shit that he says. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. He calls him what? Brother. Yeah. Was that the correct answer? Yeah, do they name the brother? Does he give him no, a name? No, he doesn't give a name. So he, we're he speculating. He calls Balon brother. And I right. was like, they're brothers? And at first, Dean was like, no, he's really young. But then Dean did more research, and he was like, JK. At first, I thought, is this some stupid fucking vision? Like, is that going to happen here? But it wasn't. And it's definitely a brother. And we're going to get into who it could be. Yeah. But we'll do that after, just in case people don't want to be spoiled about book shit. But to clear up the Balon Greyjoy death, the chat's telling me uh, that Balon died the same way, but no one saw it. So they didn't know if it was an accident or murder. So there you have it. Well, that's kind of similar, right? Like, nobody knows, even though Yara seems fucking convinced. Yeah. By her psychic abilities, apparently. Sure. Like, sorry, your old dad walked out on a rickety bridge. Honestly, he was taking his life into his own hands at that point. Like, forget being murdered. Right. I thought he was just going to fall through. I was like, oh my God, Balan Gray is just going to die by falling through this terrifying bridge that I have nightmares about now. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't. I did not expect him to just to just plummet to his death here. I mean, they set it up. They showed you the rickety bridge. They showed you the towers, and you're like, oh fuck. Um, Yana Stark in the chat says that it's the death is very mysterious in the books, and he dies shortly after Robin Joffrey because of the magic that the Red Lady and Stannis do. Which we know. We know, right. That when she puts those leeches in the fire, one was for Balon Greyjoy. Sure, I remember that. And if you think about that, all the people that she, you know, those things she threw in the fire died pretty close together, but Balon was the only one who hung on for a long period of time. But we also know that the book skipped over a lot of, or the the show skipped over a lot of Greyjoy stuff that happened earlier in the books and is coming back to it now. Right. So I've heard. We'll see. I don't think I want to say anything else about the Iron Islands right now. I just want to say that at Balon's funeral, Yara's like, yeah, I'm going to be the ruler. And then some other rando bro is like, no, the king's moot is going to choose. And maybe you'll win and be the first woman to rule, but maybe not. Right. I was like, slow your roll, sir. <laughs> Who are you? I love that you little rule. burial at sea. That's slick, the way they push him out the sea. I, I really thought that was neat. Yeah, I hope that happens Again, if not. It's such a, it's, it's different than the rest of Westeros that we've seen. That's why I am intrigued by the Iron Islands, their culture. I'm intrigued by the Greyjoys. Sure. Where do you want to go now? Well, next, according to my notes, that was number six. Number seven is going to be Winterfell. Boy, I got to tell you. Everybody get your liquor poured because I have no choice here, people. It's fucking coming. Wow. This is a great fucking scene. A great scene. So, Bruce Bolton is speaking with Lord Karstark, who we are reminded who that is because Rob chopped his head off. They talk about Sansa. They briefly talk about Jon Snow's bastard heritage. And this is a bad uh, move by Roos. It comes up in conversation here. The bastard heritage? Yes. Yes. Extremely a, a very bad move. Yes. This is, Ramsey is a wild animal. 
he sensed a threat, even if it was innocuous, even if it was a slip of the tongue, and he took action. Mm-hmm. The culmination of Rue speaking in an ill fashion about Jon Snow did not help Roos's survival this week. No, but let's put it let, like, hmm, I was just going to say something I say all the time, so I have to not say it. Let's discuss. <laughs> because if this was in a court of law, I know I took some legal classes back in the day where I briefly flirted with becoming a paralegal. I think da- David Earl is a, is a uh, lawyer. He's okay. In the chat. So, so David Earl can back me up here. There's a difference between things like first degree murder and second degree murder. And this was think a this first was... degree murder, a hundred percent. And I'll tell you why, because Lord Karstark or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. was just like totally chill. Like, oh yeah, cool. I knew that was going to happen and I was fucking ready. I like your style. This was planned a hundred percent. This was not spur of the moment. And yes, maybe Ramsey was on the fence. He was like, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? But it was a hundred percent pre-planned. Do yes, you, David Earl, premeditated. Do you believe? Murder one. Do you believe that? Um, do you believe that he knew if, Walda had a boy that he was going to take just just be done with it probably yeah how do you think he sold so the car sharks were there why do it in their presence because he needs them to back him he needs people to back him as the ruler Mm -hmm. ramsey and he needed to say like hey like Roos is doing a shitty job like look at this bullshit that he's doing he sucks as a ruler i'm the one who did all this stuff i want to kill Jon snow i hate the starks blah 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 and this like Lord Karstark, who's like fucking 25 and probably knows nothing about anything, is like, sure, let's do that shit. Let's rule together. Right. Do you think that, and the chat's asking the same thing, if it was a girl that Ramsey would have planned Roos's death anyway? Maybe further down the road, but I honestly think that the reason for planning Roos's death is is solely because he wasn't the heir now necessarily, or there was a question about it. There was a question. I think that if Ramsey was the sole heir... That if Walda has a girl, then Ramsey has more meaning to Roos. Roos cares more about him. Um, I, I really think that that makes a huge difference and that, that that was the deciding factor. Right. It's an interesting play because we know what Ramsey has done because we've watched the show and we have insider information. But let me let me throw it at you a little bit differently. You're a Lord Karstark. Rob Stark killed your father or whatever the relationship was, Right. And then you hear that Roos murders a bunch of the Starks at this red wedding. It's treacherous. It's not pretty. It's a little ugly. Something you probably wouldn't have been on board with. And then you hear about he's got this son who married Sansa, right? Who tortured and got rid of a traitor. You don't know much about it. Some traitor guy. He got rid of him. Theon. Yeah. One of those Iron Island pieces of shit that you don't trust. He got rid of him. He was great in battle, easily defeated Stannis Baratheon's army, and now is vying for power. I mean, I could see the Karstarks backing Ramsay because they know about Roose's treachery. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Like his part in the in the Red Wedding. They're uh, both young, angry children, honestly. I guess I just don't see... It's not unbelievable for me to believe the Karstarks would fall in line on this. I agree. And I think it's not a terrible play by Ramsey. He's just not ready to lead people. And that's the lessons his father's Fuck been no. the lessons his father has been telling him is is that he said, Listen, you you taunted the Stark girl. You did this. Like he is doing these things that are going to get him killed by his followers. No question. When your father rules, 
and you're the beneficiary of his success and his politicking and his warmongering, you can fuck around because your daddy can shield you from the repercussions, right? But now right. you're going to be this guy doing this thing and it's going to be ugly and people are not going to stand for it. The Northerners are not going to stand for this shit. There's just no way. And the second they see a weakness in the armor, they're going for the throat. I don't for a second really believe that the Karstarks want to wipe out the the the, the, uh, the Stark line. I don't believe that. I mean, they were mad at Rob for sure. But I don't know, man. I the Umbers they mentioned. I know we've had great John was in the show once before. I just don't see these guys backing Ramsey the way he behaves, the way he just straight up murders all these people. No, it's it's gonna be a rude awakening for Ramsey for sure. No, it sure is, and I think he's uh, I think he's gonna go out in a blaze. I think he's gonna go out fighting. I don't think it's gonna be this season. Well, but for a second, I did think it was this season because for a brief moment, I thought it was tonight. In this, and it continues in this discussion, Roos. With Ramsey's talking about murdering Jon Snow, and Roose is like, "You can't kill the Lord Commander." Oh, these I are the kind what of things. He said, "Was my direct quote I wrote down was you fucking idiot?" Is what Roose said, but maybe that was just in like my mind. I think that was in your mind, but that's okay. my point here. You can't be this way, man. You you gonna go murder the Lord Commander? How do you think well, that's going to play Dorn out? Well, Alistair Dorn did it, and he's cool. No, he's not. I'm just jail, kidding. And he's <laughs> fucked. So he's the worst. Yeah. If you act like a savage dog, you'll be taken out back and slaughtered like a dog. His father warns him. Yeah. He does not listen because he proceeds to slaughter. So, yeah. Ramsey. The news comes, though. The news comes about the boy. Great. The maester's there. And they stand up. And this is excellent because at first you're like, who stabbed who? But I love the conversation they have beforehand. Where he says, you'll always be my firstborn. And Ramsey's like, thank you for saying that. That means a lot to me. And I feel like both of those lines are the line you say to somebody before you're going to fucking murder them. Yes. Like, it was perfect. Perfect. There's that split second where the stab first happens and they're both standing in this, like, awkward, like, really tense position. And you're like, holy shit, who is dead? Mm -hmm. And it's Ruth Bolton. Yep. I did... That was a genuine shock to me, and I appreciate that. Me too. It was a great death, shocking death. I thought Roos had some time. I thought Ramsey was going to go before Roos. Oh, not me. Um, but according to the Deadpool picks, seven people picked Ramsey and only six picked Roos. Wow. But I'd like to point out that they're at the top of the list. Um, Roos being number five and Ramsey being number four. The only people ahead of them is the High Sparrow, Alistair Thorne, and Tom and Baratheon. Mm, good picks. So we're pretty anti. Well, actually, Roos was actually tied with Jorah. Let's talk about, uh, as part of this sequence, where they go next, to the kennels. I love the mists, the dark. Boy, this is creepy shit right here. And I just like that Walt is like, oh, Lord Bolton called for me. Like, where is he? Right. And that's what she keeps asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ramsey's like, let me see my little brother. Mm, Yeah. So this comment isn't going to be read tonight, but I want to mention it now. But of course, our lovely admin for the Game of Thrones Facebook page which is John Marginson. Yeah, I'm never going to read one of his comments again. So, John, <laughs> I appreciate all that you do, but sorry. Bye. Wow. Why, he's setting you up for dogs? Oh, you think? <laughs> you think? Uh, anyway, John said, and I think it's worth discussing, he brought up the fact that there, that Ramsey seems to have this almost affection for the boy for a split second as he holds him. And he, he was talking about that, and I thought, damn, that's that's wild to start thinking about that. 
I don't know. Did you did you did you did you read that comment? And what do you think? About oh, I read that? the comment for sure. Yeah, because when I I read it to know that I would never read it out loud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's thoughtful, and I think you can read it that way. That he does look at the little boy like somewhat. He, he holds him very sweetly, and but. You know like what, Ramsey's like, so fucked that like he could just be like doing that because he's like looking at him like, oh, I can't wait to kill you, little baby. Right. He has a weirdness to him, man. It's the the, the way he handles Theon, that wanton torture of somebody, that's, but I don't know, But then he's man. like all, oh, Theon, here, let me give you a bath now. Like, you know what I mean? Right. It, and he's affectionate so to his father. Up. When his father told him his name is now Ramsey Bolton. There was genuine feeling there. And when Miranda died, there was genuine feeling towards her. That's the other example that John uses in his write-up. So is this guy just, is his brain just miswired? Is he full of shit? Does he have this weird feel? Is Is he just biting down? on that mouthpiece because he knows he has to get shit done to, to see this through to the end. Does he believe that his way is going to make him successful? What is it about Ramsey? He's so, you, you, you could say he's not mysterious. He's just an animal. He's a wild, savage dog, much like his father says. But is he? Is he more than that? I think David Earl and Chad said he's a psychopath. And I know that sounds like the simplest thing in the world, but I think that's the fucking truth. You might be right. Like, I think that, like, if you read the DSM and try to compare Ramsey, like you would be able to find a mental disorder for him. Like there's something wrong yeah. in his brain. Yeah. Like very wrong. John actually says, I feel like over the last two weeks, we've seen a more human side of him, wistfully remembering Miranda when he holds his baby brother. His smile seems sincere. I, it's like he allows himself to feel and be expressive in those moments before he shuts down and goes back to feeding people to the dogs that concept that he has some kind of humanity but willfully rejects it to accomplish whatever bad idea he has in mind makes him an even more insufferable villain am i crazy so that what what he's saying is is it possible that he's rejecting his humanity that he actually feels to accomplish the deed almost like is he being a quote-unquote good soldier i would say that there's part of me who believes maybe because when you talk about the Gleganes, they killed Elia. They killed they killed those babies. I don't know if the Hound was part of that. No, that was the Mountain, and he's a Franken Mountain now. And the that's Hound just a soldier being stuff. a soldier. He's just murdering everything he's supposed to murder. But Ramsey is not just being a soldier; he's being sadistic. I think he's being sadistic too. When when we see he the kills hunts, girls for fun, right? The with hunts, Miranda. the hunts, absolutely. The stuff with Theon that is not. I feel like that's not grinning and bearing it to get the job done. That's participating in in torture and getting off on it. And that's 100% what I think he's doing. And at this point, he's a very confident man. He knows he is skillful with a blade. He is vicious. He is intimidating. He's scary. And now he's going to just ride it out to the bitter end and see what happens. I really think that that's what we have going on with him at this point. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. Boy. Take me through this death. So, uh, Walda comes out, you know, Ramsey's going to take her to Lord Bolton, quote unquote, but he actually takes her to the kennels. Uh, Walda's a little too trusting of Ramsey. I wouldn't have even stepped inside. I think kennels, it's fearful. To God. I think yeah, she's, she's afraid. And he opens all the doors. Part one of me by must one. be thinking she's like, he can't. There's no way. Right. I mean, I'm still Ruse's. He, she doesn't start to piece together that, that Ruse is dead. dead until she's Correct. down here. Yeah, when she asks, where is Lord Bolton? And a, a great fucking moment where she says, she realizes something bad is going to happen. And she says, where is Lord Bolton? He says, 
I am Lord Bolton. Mm-hmm. And this is a great moment. A great moment, I think. Like, I, it's dark and scary, and you're mm-hmm. like, holy fuck, this is actually going to happen. And, and, you know, good for Walt. Good for Walt. She begs. She says she'll leave Winterfell. She said, this is your brother. Ramsey says, I prefer being an only yes. child. And then he does his whistle. Boy, oh, boy. Um, people in the chat are like, why didn't she run? Why didn't she try to get away? Could she have hit the baby? Can I tell you what Dean said during this? Like, without people being like, this is fucked up. Go ahead. The first time we're walking this, watching this episode, Dean's like, I would snap the baby's neck. Like, I would kill the baby if yeah. I was Walda. And to be honest, I think that that is the best thing that Walda could have done for the baby. Pretty she wasn't going to get away. They were both going to die. And it was basically like, does your baby have a quick death or does it die by being torn apart by dogs? So fucked up. I know it's a fucked up thing to say, but honest to God, at least the baby wouldn't have suffered that way. Pretty fucked up. I um I hated myself when I said that, but then I thought to myself about the story of Kaiser Soze, who shot his own family rather than let them be taken by these drug lords who had closed in on them. Love Kaiser Soze. And that's what I thought, man. I was like, dude, I don't know. There has to be a moment where you're Walder and you think to yourself, I cannot escape. He's going to kill me. But imagine if you're wrong. There has to be part of you that's in denial the whole time where you're thinking, of course, I'm going to. So I understand not taking such drastic action. But when he starts when opening, coming at you, yeah, man. like when he does the whistle, yes, when he opens up them up and they start to bear down on you. I mean, your instinct is going to be to shield yourself to, to right. There's going to be some instinct here where you might not be thinking that. But that's what I thought. I, I mean, if. That baby's going to be getting ripped apart. And I know it's going to go unconscious, but not quickly. Not quick it's, enough. It's horrible to even think about this shit, but that's uh, that's what I thought of. I thought there's no way I would allow somebody I care about to be torn to shreds like that. If I knew there was no other option, I might, uh, I might do something there. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm talking about if I was there. I know in the chat they're saying a mother wouldn't snap their own baby's neck, but yeah, I'm saying if I was standing there, father might be able to do that. I don't know. Rather than watch my kid get ripped apart by dogs. Mm. Fuck. It's no win scenario. That's for sure. And they are like, when we were watching the episode, not that anybody cares about this tidbit of information, but we were talking about um, dog Argentinos, which are known for being kind of vicious dogs. They hunt wild boar. Um, but the actual dogs that were cast in most of the kennels look like cane corsos. And if you Google a cane corso, they're big and they're mean looking. <sighs> I've known some very nice cane corsos. I've met some. But they're big fucking animals. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Karen Lomas just said he would be the kind of person that would have called the dogs off if she had killed the baby. That's a great to point. To save the baby. That's a great fucking point. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Sorry, guys. I already said at this section I was going to have to talk about dogs. Oh. All right. Sorry, well, that's enough about that. Mad at me. Now, can we ask, are there going to be repercussions from Walder Frey here? I mean, it's po- it's possible. The actor's not doing Harry Potter movies anymore, so he doesn't have a lot going on. He's We haven't seen the last of this guy. The architect of the Red Wedding, him and Tywin Lannister. Here's what I think. I don't think Walter Frey cares that much. When, when Catelyn Stark threatened, I'm going to slash her throat, he's like, I'll get another wife. Part of me thinks that he doesn't care about them as people, but Walter Frey strikes me as the kind of guy who would be insulted by the fact that the hospitality was betrayed here. The, the the insult. He orchestrated the Red Wedding based off of an insult. And part of me thinks that Walder Frey is not going to take kindly to what happened to her and his grandson. If that gets out, I think it's going to be pretty bad for Ramsey. And I think he's going to be part of what brings about the Bolton's downfall. He's not going to... 
if he rallies the banners and he calls the bannermen up, I don't think Walder's coming. Not to mention that historically, they call him the late Walder Frey because he does not show up on time for battle. Yes. I don't think he's going to need much more of an excuse to abandon Ramsay if if he sees fit. And the second it starts to get a little ugly for the Boltons, the Freys could give a fuck at this point. I mean, that's a bad move by Ramsay. Outside of the inhumaneness of it all, I think that uh, Frey's not going to be too happy. No, definitely not. Even though he has a hundred of those women floating around. All right. So what do you want to do next? We only have one place left to go. All right. It's the wall. Sounds good. Why don't you start that off? So Alistair Thorne shows up to our bros in the room and he's like, hey guys, your time is up. You need to surrender. But no one needs to die tonight. Nobody needs to die tonight. I have to be honest because for a long time, Dean has been really high on Davos and I've just been kind of eh. He's the best. Right. But for a long time, I was like, why is Dean so into Davos? He doesn't really do it for me. But man, this season, I'm really fucking high on Davos. I really like him like a lot over two episodes. He's moving up there into Jorah Mormont territory. (laughs) You said I was the only one for you. (laughs) Oh, Jorah. (laughs) Davos is awesome. And here's why. Davos, and it comes out in this episode, fuck the gods. Davos doesn't care about that shit. Davos is somebody who has yet to be wrong. Everything he has advised Stannis on, he was right about. Every choice he's made has been the right choice. Had Davos been listened to, and even the Red Woman suggests it, that would have they would have been better off. That's why I like Sir Davos. Not just because he's correct and because he makes because he's wise. He makes good choices. He's an interesting guy. The fact that he navigated life with Stannis and lived is impressive. Davos has a subterfuge, a scoundrelness to him. The fact that he's rubbed shoulders with pirates and slavers, that makes him interesting to me. I always like these guys who got a little bit of the, uh, who don't have, who, who don't, aren't just full of shine. They got a little bit of the seedy side in them and it comes through, but it doesn't hurt him. He's a reputable guy. He's a caring guy. He wants to do the right thing and he's a great advisor. He's super wise in his decision-making and Stannis might still be alive if he chose to listen to Davos and not the Red Woman. That's why I like Davos. I like him because he says amazing things like, I've never been much of a fighter. Apologies for what you're about to say. <laughs> How can you not love him? Like, I'm really high in Davos right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Another thing Davos is, is he's 100% self-aware. He is a man who knows his limitations in a realm where men don't know their limitations. Some do, some don't. Tywin didn't. Jamie doesn't, although he does now that he's had his hand chopped off. Well, Ramsey certainly doesn't. Certainly doesn't. Stannis, uh, hello. That's why he Alistair died. Thorne doesn't know either. No. And he's about to learn. All these guys overplay their hands and Davos never does. He's a very self-aware man and that's why he's so fascinating to me. He's awesome. All I'm- right. I love this scene. My notes actually say Davos is awesome. So (laughs) pretty high in Davos right now. So here's the best part. They're about to fight and the fucking wildlings arrive, starting with one, one, the giant. And I am like at the edge of my seat. So excited. Torin Giants Bane is another one I'm high on. He is in my little like threesome of men. I love (laughs) with Jorah, Davos and Tormund. They're, They're pretty. They're pretty high up there in my life. Honestly, I love this. Like the wildlings fucking arrive. 
I didn't see that coming. And the traitors, these fucking traitors, they're like scared. I love it. I love it. I love the wildlings are going to win that fight. Here's what's so awesome about this. Not only the timing and the excitement of it, like you're describing, but the fact that they they smash down the door, they enter the courtyard in the in the Night's Watch freeze. Except for that one bro who shoots an arrow at one one and he just smashes his fucking skull and even worse than the Franken Mountain. I love it. That reminds me of a Jason film, one of the uh, Friday the 13th films, where he zips up a camper in a uh, in a sleeping bag and he just bashes him into a tree. <laughs> Oh my god. That, I th- it's pretty wild. I thought right. of that when I was when I was watching this. I was like, oh, that's like that kill in one of those Jason movies. I don't remember which one it was, but what a great kill. Now, that's what I mean. The predictable thing to do here is they engage in battle, a bunch of people get killed, and then Alistair is grabbed. But no, they show up in the Night's Watch freeze in terror They're because scared. one one is standing in front of them as well as Tormund's giant. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think it's just one one. I think it's just they did this thing and they were like told like this is going to be easy. We have the majority. All we have to go against is Davos and a couple of random bros. Mm. They were expecting the army of wildlings to come after them, which shame on them and shame on Alistair for not even thinking that was a nope. possibility. Honestly, that was a big miscalculation on their part. Yes. They weren't expecting it. They That's were told it was going to be out. easy. Ed slipped out and right. warned them. They thought this was going to be an easy thing for them to take everything over. And they were so wrong. They were they really miscalculated how this death was going to play out. Yep. Alistair really pretended that he did this because he was trying to save the Night's Watch. But at the end, he was trying to, he had an axe to grind with Jon Snow. He picked his battle and now he's picked the hill to die on and he's going to. Uh, and it was a really short sighted to not think that there's still somebody loyal to John who's going to slip out and tell the wildlings. You know you know the wildlings are fond of Jon Snow, Mr. Thorne. You 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 should have seen this coming and you didn't. And the worst part is when they're all scared and Alice was like, "Aren't you guys going to fight?" and he's acting all tough but not doing anything and fucking Ollie is standing there like, "Yeah, I'm a badass too. I'm going to kill people." I have never wanted someone to die more in my life, honest to God, than Ollie. He's Ollie, the fucking worst. Ollie's like, I got four hairs on my balls. And then Tormund's like, all right, bitch. He reminds me of Joffrey, like early Joffrey, before mm. he started killing prostitutes. Like when he was just like, before he moved on to the human killing, when he was just doing the things that psychopaths do in their younger lives. Shit. Like he's totally going to turn into Joffrey. And like if Joffrey had continued growing up, he would have turned into Ramsay. So we've seen it all. Can I just throw something out there? Drink up, people. Sure, that's what I say, but go. Wouldn't it be cool to see Joffrey deal with the Faith Militant? It's kind of fucked up when you think about that, right? <laughs> it's really fucked that up. That shit would have never happened if Joffrey was there, let's be honest. Let's be honest. He's like killed fools. We're just being honest here. So Ed, Tormund, Davos, they gather around Jon Snow. They take Alistair down below. And Ollie. They're going to throw him in you cells. You fucking traitors, Alistair says. How dare you? You kill the Lord Commander. You call you, you calling other people a traitor? I know that. And by the way, the chat is saying that Ollie's parents were slaughtered. Yeah, I know. I know all that about Ollie. I still hate him. Mm. He's still the worst to me. Jon Snow tried to take care of him and teach him the ways and all he repaid him by stabbing him. So there's, there is an argument there though. It's fun to pick pile on Ollie, but let's be real. There is a fucking, there is an argument to be had there for a 13 year old kid surrounded by rapers and murderers who urge him to stab a guy. Ollie is 13. He might not have the moral compass enough to stand up to a bunch of grownups that are telling him, go ahead, Ollie, do it. They put the blade in his hand, right? 
It's not like Ollie was over. It's not like Ollie was like, oh, let me get in on this. And some fucking adult should have said no, right? Some adult should have left Ollie out of this, but they didn't. That's, that shows you what these fucking guys are like. These traitors are, are scum. They're the worst. To provoke this kid to do this. And look, I get it. Ollie, it's- I'll, I'll let Dean play devil's advocate here and I'll continue hating Ollie. That's fine. And it's, it's, but it is important. It is important to, I think, talk about it a little bit. It's important to bring up Ollie in the context of how old he is, what he's been subjected to, which is the murder of his family by wildlings. Hey, Arya Stark, her family is also murdered. You know what she did? A bunch of cool shit. And now she's really boring, but she didn't stab anybody that didn't deserve to be stabbed. Right. Arya's, Arya's, it's, it's a little different. I, I, don't, I think we're, I think we're, this is a bad comparison. I just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> Fuck. Jesus Christ. I'm about to throw you out the window. How's that sound? Like Bran? Yeah. In season one? Yes. But I'm A blushk. I, uh, so I, there's part of me that's sympathetic to Ollie because if I want to be, really think about it for a minute as to what he's experienced. But then at the same time, the other part of me is, is, is that you stab the dude, man. You can't be stabbing people. You can't be stabbing people. I don't stab people. Jon Snow did not kill your family, you dumb shit. He just banged a chick who did. No big deal. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's wild. (laughs) Bling-ish. That was the worst. So let's talk about Ed Torment and Davos gathering around Jon Snow. This is sad. It is sad. It's sad for Torment to see Jon's body. Like, he's clearly sad about it. He wants to burn the body because that's what they do. I like this moment. We have this moment of these people realizing John is dead and we have Tormund coming to the rescue being told that John has been killed. But when he sees John's body, we can see that there was a relationship between the two of them. It's awesome. He's a great actor. I love he, him. He does a good job in these moments. I love his stoic expression, but at the same time, you can tell it's bothering him. The way he says took a lot of knives. Like yes. the... the that's such a that's such a coping mechanism. I want to say it's such a man way, man way to cope, but women do it too. And it's you you see it when if you ever go to a wake, you know you see people like oh boy he looks great. It, you're, you're just it's this weird coping thing, and that's exactly what he's doing here. He's like wow, he, he's he's trying to distance himself with it and speak as a, like a weird fact, like oh he took a lot of knives, like trying to wrap his head around the fact that he's standing in front of his his brother in arms who's dead. And uh, it's it's cool, man. It's it's I really like the scene a lot with Tormund. Tormund respects John, and that's absolutely. the important thing. And, and absolutely. Michael Stewart in the chat says that him talking about the knives is a way of giving respect to John's strength, and he's right. right. Absolutely. So Davos goes to speak with the Red Woman. Love everything about this. This is great. The Red Woman is growing on me because oh, me too. I was just talking about this with someone at work, like totally separate from Dean. Obviously, it's all everybody talks about anywhere is Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I had a whole conversation about how I hated Melisandre, and I'm like, she's so annoying, don't even care. And now I'm so fascinated by her, and yeah. I want more. Her I want arc, more Melisandre. Her arc becomes interesting when she becomes somebody who can make mistakes. Somebody who is not so confident. Yes. To, to see her go from being as confident as she was to being so shaken uh, is just so fascinating to me. And I love her. Co- I love everything about the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. I love her conversation with Davos. And me too. This is incredible. He says he wants to talk to her about the Lord Commander. She says the former Lord Commander. And he says, does he have to be? Right. And I, I like this. Where Davos doesn't want to just go straight in and be like, hey, can you resurrect him? Mm-hmm. 
he's just like, I need to talk to you. And, and her confidence is so low. Everything she believed, everything she saw in the flames was a lie. You were right all along. The Lord never spoke to me. Right. And Davos says, fuck him. Mm-hmm. And I love Davos because yep. he gives Melisandre the, the tiniest bit of confidence back. Right. The, uh, the, the, it's, 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 it's an incredible story arc for a character who... Burned a little girl to death? Burned a little girl to death. Don't forget that. Yeah, I know. I did for a second, and I was just reminded by the chat, and now I'm like, oh, wait, fuck. Burned a girl. I really hate her. Fully believed that the Lord of Light was speaking to her. And when the Lord of Light, when you believe, this is what's so dangerous about these this religion stuff, and that's you you having this conviction like the Lord's telling you to do something. This happens. You know, people who are people who are, are mentally compromised are like, well, my neighbor was a demon and an angel told me that I should kill him. So I walked next door in my shotgun and I blew him away. I hear that all the time in murder shows. Come to find out he's just a, a waiter at a restaurant and he's not in fact a demon. But the guy thought he was doing the right thing. So who was the serial killer who said like son of Sam? Maybe. Right? Yeah. The dog told him to do it. That's the one. Yeah. So <laughs> I do like that her faith is shaken. When she says, the Lord never spoke to me, that's incredible. Yes. This brings us back to what's an interesting connection between Davos and the Red Woman. I just told you at length that Davos is a guy who knows his limitations, and he was surrounded by people who had none in their own minds. Melisandre's conviction was enough to where she killed a woman. Killed a, killed a baby, a, a, a girl, a little girl. It was fucking awesome and I loved. Right. Okay. And in Stannis, who went along with it, who believed all this shit, in Davos, the only one who, who didn't, who knew this is wrong, we're incorrect, how can you make these claims? We lost anyway. It didn't work. You were wrong. But you know what's going to happen, right? All of this is going to be proven true because Jon Snow is going to fight at Winterfell and he's going to stop the undead army and he's going to do all those things that Melisandre saw and then she's going to say well it was all for this yes and that's pretty fucked up honestly and I'm glad Jon Snow's alive and Melisandre brought him back and she's been very fascinating to me but she did a lot of fucked up shit do you, wait, say that last part again. I kind of missed it which last part what what about her faith in Jon Snow's resurrection just the fact that all these things she believed and she's like, I did all of this because I thought this would happen mm-hmm. and it's not going to, but it is all going to happen now. I think Jon Snow is going to fight at Winterfell. Jon Snow is going to stop the undead army and Mel Saunders is going to be a part of that. It's not going to be Stannis who does it. It's going to be Jon and she's going to be involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to go back to like, okay, well this is all for a reason. So you think, you think John coming back her getting a couple of visions is going to restore her faith. And I don't necessarily think it's going to restore her faith, but I think that, or maybe not right away. Right. But I think we're going to end the show where everything Melisandre, Melisandre did everything because she wanted to stop the undead army from coming and taking over everything. And she saw Jon Snow fight at Winterfell and all this stuff. And I think that that stuff is all going to come true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. George R.R. R. Martin. The you thing have a I, sick, sick mind, sir. The thing I like about the resurrection piece is I'm not asking the Lord of Life for help. I'm asking the woman who showed me that miracles exist. Love it. Right. This is fascinating to me because I think that Davos, he'll never, Davos will never forgive her for what she's done, but he's wise enough to understand where she was coming from. And I wonder how he feels about her now. Is he just happy that he, that she's alive long enough and around long enough to bring back Jon Snow because they need Jon Snow? 
does he see her differently now? I, I really want to see how this relationship. Yeah, I think it's going to be forward. very interesting because I, I do think that there has been a change between the two of them because they've always been on the opposite side. Right. And for the first time ever, they're on the same side. And I think that's very interesting. They've been on the opposite side. But what's neat about the Red Woman is, is that she knew that Davos was going to counsel Stannis against her always. And she could have easily gotten rid of Davos, but she didn't because in her mind, she's not a fucking crazy murderer. Except when she is. (laughs) Except when she's doing her God's will. Think about that for a minute. She could have easily gotten rid of Davos. She could have easily convinced Stannis to get rid of Davos. So what I'm saying is that there's some truth in the Red Woman in that she acts on the things that she truly believes in from a religious perspective with the Lord of Light. If she was a Cersei, she would have said, the Lord told me that he is treacherous and needs to go away. That's a Cersei move. Right. That's a pre-walk Cersei move that I think would have happened if the Red Woman was more treacherous. But she really is doing what she believes is coming to her. And that's what I love about this because Davos always counseled against her to Stannis. And she could have gotten rid of him and she didn't. Okay. And I would like to point out too, and Lone Star Kid says this in the chat, the Red Woman said that Davos needed to live. And I don't remember if I can get this exactly correct in my mind, but I feel like around the time he let Gendry go, that Stannis just wanted to basically be done with him. Yeah. And it was Melisandre who was like, no. Yeah, because he was locked up for a while. Right, but that's what I'm saying. So there's more to it. She's seen more about Davos and feels more about Davos than, you know, he's the angel on Stannis' shoulder and I'm the devil, basically. Um, She knows there's more to him. And I think we're starting to see that the reason why she didn't want him dead, we're, we're getting to that. Yeah, it's excellent. I'm looking forward to it. And I love this resurrection scene. I like how we don't see magic fucking lights flashing around. Just some simple Valerian chant. In the hair she's, cutting. She doesn't believe she can no. do it. No. The whole time. The whole time. And she, she does. She says she never had the gift. And Davos says, well, have you tried? And she fucking tries. Yes. But does not feel good. And, and you know when she's repeating that, that chant the last time, she's like, I am not able to do this. I have. He should be alive already. Like if this was Beric Dondarrion and Thoros of Mir, he'd already be alive again. Right. I'm going to give you something to chew on between episodes. Jon Snow does not come back if Davos isn't there because Davos Mm -hmm. convinces her to do it. He pushes her. He inspires her. He speaks to her respectfully. Davos has such a way of presenting the things that he says that you want to rally to him. He has leadership qualities. I'm not asking the Lord of Light for help. I'm asking the woman who showed me that miracles exist. Yes. That's an inspirational quote that gets her off her ass. Nobody else can do that for her. Davos has an odd respect for her to where he knows he can talk to her like a person. The rest of these people are like, fuck, I don't know about this lady. Right. Right? She's she's creeping me out. And uh, I like that. I like that Davos really is responsible. Obviously, it doesn't happen without her, but he's really responsible for bringing John back. That's such a cool story piece. I love it. So John's back. This is what interests me about this. John doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. Tormund, according to the subtitles on HBO Go, scoffs before he walks out of the room. Because it's not working. Right. He's pissed. Melisandre leaves. Ed leaves. Davos leaves. But we keep getting these shots of Ghost sleeping. It's awesome. And I'm like, why? Why is Ghost sleeping this moment? What is happening? There's more to this. There's a reason why we continue to see this. Um, and I have questions about the whole theory of him warging into Ghost, if we want to touch upon that. I don't think it's a thing that's happening. You don't? 
No, I think he's awake. He's sitting okay. up. Yeah, I don't think he is. Because apparently in a lot of interviews, the actress who plays Melisandre still says that she did not bring Jon Snow back. I'm just saying. Can't trust that shit. Okay. And I understand that, but I just would like to mention, I wonder well, you can, if you there's can speculate. Any, this is a podcast. And I don't necessarily think that that's what happens, but I think that there's a chance. I mean, they could go that way if they still choose to. But yeah. in general, that's that's not what I believe, but I'd like to point it out yeah. at least. I like it. Um, I think it's important that Ghost is just chilling and he wakes up right before Jon Snow is going to breathe again. Mm-hmm. That matters. Yeah, it's like he senses it. Of course. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess that's it, though. Oh, I like what Lone Star Kid said in the chat again. I would have liked just showing Ghost to open his eyes and cut to credits. I agree. That would have been great. We didn't even need to see John like gasp for breath, but wouldn't have that been cool, too? Just saying. Yeah. A little less over the top. Because like, let's be honest, guys. We all knew Jon Snow was going to come back at this point. You think people would, would call fuckery on that kind of ending? No, not like we did. No. It's funny when you think about John's death and resurrection, he's only gone for an episode, but it feels like so much longer. If you power watch this, oh yeah, you're not going to miss him as much as you think you do. And uh, that's what I like about this is that with, with cliffhangers and season endings and all that shit, it feels like John's been gone forever, but he hasn't. He's been gone right. an episode. Short period of time. Short period of time. Um, Kit Harrington did a lot of saying, talking about how he was dead and then he apologized because he felt bad apparently. But no, you did good, Kit Harrington. You did good. Yeah. You were dead. You didn't lie. There wasn't fuckery that went on here. Right. There wasn't. This happened exactly. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. This happened how we all thought it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen at the end. I thought this was exactly how the end of episode three was going to be. was mm-hmm. what we just saw at the end of episode two. So I was off by an episode. But this was almost exactly how I expected it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting because we're like, okay, John's back and now things are going to get really fucking cool. Which is how I feel. Right. I think that this is going to be fucking awesome. I'm really excited because I like the idea that when you bring them back, they come back a little less. That to me fascinates me. What are your expectations for John now? A different John. I hope more so. vengeful. Like I think it's. Gonna, I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Here's what I want out of my John Snow. Out of your John Snow, eh? I want John Snow to be somebody you're not sure of. I like that too. I want Jon Snow to not go back to his perfect ways. I want him to be a little rough around the edges and somebody we're just not sure about at this point. Somebody who starts hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know, they get that vibe. I want people to be a little nervous about Jon Snow. I'm not sure if the show has time for that. I don't know if it has time to to get cute with Jon Snow being somehow different. When Beric no, Dondarrion gonna, comes back... They're going to be back, cute with him being somehow different. When Beric Dondarrion comes back, he's not a character that's developed that we care about in the show, but he says he's a little different, but he doesn't seem to act too much different. So I wonder what they're going to do with John. We don't need it to get too crazy. We don't have a shitload of time for that, but I do hope that he's a little off and it makes people a little uneasy. That's what I want. Well, I mean, he came back from the dead, so it's certainly going to make people easy. But I think we're going to see, just like um, Michael Stewart says in the chat, he fulfilled his vow to serve until death. He's free to avenge sure. Ned and retake Winterfell. Sure. And we're going to fucking see that. There's no doubt in my mind that Jon Snow is going to take Winterfell with the fucking wildlings. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. And let me tell you, Jon Snow's still alive. Even Jon Snow's still alive. If you were like, hey, Jon, if you somehow died. He's not still and alive. Got, you know what he's I'm saying? back from the dead. 
before he died. Oh, I see. Someone said, hey, hypothetically, John, like if you died and then got brought back to life, would you then try to seek vengeance on your dead dad and retake Winterfell? He'd be like, no, no, I wouldn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's not John. That's not John. No. But this John is going to do that shit. And I can't wait. I'm so, so excited for Jon Snow, who, to be honest, for the first few seasons was not the amazing, super exciting character I wanted him to be. Because he was sulking at the wall. Yeah, he was sulking at the wall. Kit Harington, who's not, who's really kind of a new actor, was coming into his own and kind of learning. He's figured it out. And now he's figured it out. And I I really think that this is, we're going to get some really good stuff. I'm really excited. We're going to see Wildlings and Boltons engaged in battle. A hundred percent. It's going to be a, it's going to be excellent. And let's be honest. We know who's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. We might see some losses though. We, we'll see if Tormund gets out of it, but yeah, that's the episode. That's a, that's a good time. Fun. We're back. John's back, baby. What do you say? Get to some listener comments and then we'll wrap with our final thoughts. Let's do it. At the end, once uh, we go post-credit, we'll talk a tiny bit about the Greyjoys. Maybe people can help us out with that. So, Jessica, cue the music. All right, who do you have? I have a couple of emails that I'm going to read today. One actually has to do with a previous episode. Um, So I'm going to talk a little bit about episode one of season six in regards to Ilaria. Uh, this is from Kimberly Robinson. She sent us an email. She said, I think Alaria's point is that if Elia's rape and murder, as well as the murder of her small children, let's not forget, had been properly avenged 20 years ago when it happened, Oberyn wouldn't have had to, contr- to contrive to get into the combat with the mountain and have him confess to committing the crimes on Lannister orders. She blames Dorne for sitting on his hands all these years. And so he's, in her mind, guilty of Oberyn's death. Oberyn tried to act when it was Dorne who should have been doing something. The ironic thing is, I think Oberyn would have been the last person to condone Dorne and Tristane being murdered. Alaria has a ruthlessness that I don't think Oberyn shared. He wasn't down with innocents getting killed. If he had been, he'd have killed Marcella a long time ago as revenge for his sister, and he'd still be alive. Well, you know the old saying, you win or you die. It's a great email and uh, great a very email. good perspective that was a bit lost uh, well, we from didn't us. from us, and uh, it's a good, it's a, it's a great, it's a great point, and uh, I get yeah. it. it. It gives a little more credence to her, her anger at Doran for allowing the predicament to blossom into what it has. Right, because all we've kind of talked about is how she's mad about Oberyn's death, and it's like, okay, well, Oberyn asked for his death, but the point that she makes, well, Oberyn did all of this because Elia's rape and murder was never avenged never earlier. Addressed. Doran was just chill about it, basically. Right. Uh, I like that point, and you know I'm not high on Alaria Sands, but it's a great that point. point. Good email makes it more interesting. Kimberly, thank you for writing into the show. If you have an email that you'd like to submit to the show because you're not on social media, remember hosts at libertystreetgeek.net. That's hosts at libertystreetgeek.net. You can send an email for a variety of our different shows: Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, Science Fiction Film Podcast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I have David Earl. This episode was overall okay. What's interesting is that the old have made way for the young. All of the old lords have been eliminated from the major houses. Baratheon gone, Stark gone, Tully gone, Aaron gone, Greyjoy gone, Bolton gone, Lannister gone, Martell gone. What is left? Frey and Tyrell? Question mark. Will they meet their end soon? The younger generation has seized control in almost each house except Stark and Tully. How does this play out in the end? Ramsay is a son of a bitch and perhaps the most dangerous of anyone alive on the show. He seems to have aligned himself with the younger lords of the North, 
Could those lords of the minor houses also fall victim to their younger counterparts? Cersei and Jamie are the only holding power are, are only holding on to power because it is yet to be taken, but they are more vulnerable now than ever before. How will this all play out in the end? Well, if I may, I think that Ramsay's hold on the North is very, very tenuous at best. I think that Ramsay's defeat at the hands of the wildlings may not spell his death at the time, but it's 100% going to change the dynamic when Jon Snow is at the front of that host. When Jon Snow is at the front of the hand of the vanguard leading the battle, the rest of the lords in Winterfell are going to be done with Bolton, and I think that's how he gets got. I think he gets got when the rest of the houses, the minor houses who have been intimidated into submission, rise up because the North remembers. And I think that's going to be what happens to the Boltons. I think it's just a natural cycle in Westeros that the young replace the old. It's a natural cycle in life. I see it that it's going that way. And uh, I just think that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing the old getting taken out and the young moving on. And that's just the way it goes in Westeros. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, although is it in the Lord of the Rings where they say the the old cling to life? It's something like the young die while the old linger. The, Maybe. the, the brutality of war is worse fought by young people. You know? That is true. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good email for sure. Thought-provoking as usual. As usual. Thanks, David. Second email. I'm going to read another one. I have another email from okay. a, a not big social media-ish person. This is Ryan T. Who's from Boston, my area. So oh, shit. Thumbs up for that. A long-time listener, first time writing in. I just wanted to say my piece and express how awesome this episode was. Love seeing Bran in the flashback to Winterfell. Seems like we can expect to see more of that kind of stuff throughout the season. Arya is still doing her daredevil training. Yes. We also get a little Greyjoy action, which, as a book reader, I'm curious to see where they take this. Hopefully, they can keep it interesting and don't butcher it too much. I'm looking at you, Dorn. <laughs> we get two of the better Thorn kills in recent memory, with Sir Robert Strong just casually bashing the back of the dude's skull against the wall like Sir it was Robert. a fucking tennis ball. <laughs> Sir Robert and one, Strong. And one one, giving the Night's Watchman the Ragni and treatment. And last but not least, John fucking Snow lives between one one coming to the rescue, Davos being his typical OG self, and John's resurrection. Such an OG. My feels are going off the chart. I think I cheer out loud at least a couple of times this episode, and if that ain't good television, I don't know what is. Here's to hoping Ghost tears off Ollie's face next week and Thorne gets what's coming. Boom. Thanks, guys. Cheers. What was his name again? Ryan T. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan, thanks for writing in. Love it. Awesome. Cool that you're a local boy. We love it. We love our Massachusetts people. Well, I am going to go ahead and talk about Scott Buchanan. Scott is a hilarious dude. I agree. He writes, excellence, that stabbing, exclamation point. I nearly dropped my red wine. <laughs> I nearly dropped my red wine. From the right after my own heart. From right field it comes. Well, almost. I know I missed the hints. And Stampy the giant and Franken Mountain casually smashing up the place. And Arya on the dark path once more. And dragons? And rubber lips sucking up to mummy? <laughs> <laughs> rubber lips. I That's love this guy. That's so good. Rubber lips? Come on. That's brilliant. It's so true, honestly. Be dismissive and disinterested if you want to. Oh, baby. I'm loving it. This season is making haste, not speed. Great shit by Scott. Thank you for writing in. Thanks for people who chime in on Facebook and uh, for people who take the time to email us. 
very cool. Listen, if you like the show, make sure you shave you shave it and yeah, get you it. Shave that. Make sure you shave it so it's ready for uh, for banging. I mean, look. Oh my god. We want a hint of pubic hair yeah. to remind ourselves that we're not fucking children. Yeah. But uh, let's trim the bushes, people. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is thank you guys. Make sure you share the love and uh, we will continue to grow and we will continue to produce more content. Content. I cannot talk. He's not drunk. I'm really struggling. I drank so much more than him. I think I just had he a had stroke. He had Diet Pepsi and he is talking like a drunkard. Wow. That was awful. In short, since I can't grasp sentences and I can't speak them, continue to share our show. It helps. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> wow. Final thoughts. No, before final thoughts, I have something else. Go. The Deadpool. All right. You have that info handy? Obviously. Come on. Thanks to John Marginson, not like my own work, because he is basically someone I love so much, and I am not that good at this. All right. So update us on the Deadpool. In first place, still holding on strong with her two deaths from week one, is Maria Kirby. Uh, you know, Tristan Doran. I do. I do. In second and third place, we have a 10-way tie of a bunch of people with one death. 10-way. Oh, that's right. It's a 10-way. Lay it on me. Someone on Facebook said Oberyn would like that, and they posted a picture of Oberyn looking like he would like that. And I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was because it was my favorite photo of all time, basically. So our 10-way tie stole Damaris from week one with her death of Tristane. We have also added the people who picked uh, Balon Greyjoy, which is Steph Dion, Tori Hunter, and Nathan Tamulus. Powerful. And a bunch of people who picked Roos Bolton, Kelly Beam, Keith Bonneau, Christina Brown, Mike Hilger, Jamie Lomas, and Jonathan Marginson himself. Ba-boom. The death pool keeper tracker of. So, know who has no deaths in their death pool yet? That would be me, and that would be Dean. The people who host this podcast, Failures at Death. Picking. Failures at Death Picking. But Dean was really excited because I think he thought he had Roos Bolton until I looked into it. So I thought I did, too. I thought I had really Ramsey good news in Roos. God damn it. My death pool is bad. I thought I pulled a heady. I thought I had him. I'm, sh- I'm shocked I didn't. Good stuff. Let's get to our final thoughts on this episode. Sure, let's do it. Jessica, I want you for your final thoughts this week to give me the next character death. <gasps> oh my God. This is a lot of pressure because there could be so many. Mm, I'm going to go Feel free to, with... to, to do this for yourself at home while you're listening. Yeah. Who is the next one to get got? I think the next character death is going to be Theon. Boom. I knew you were going to say that. How did you know? Because you think he's getting picked up. You don't think he's making it back to the Iron Islands, which means his time is limited. I do. I think the end's going to die. And he's probably near Deadpool. All right. You're, you're picking. You motherfucker. All right. You got your, your next death. You're going to say. So I'm going to write this down. Next death for Jessica is Theon. And Dean, what's yours? Well, let me ask you a second question. Oh, God. All right. Who is the who is the person? Are you asking me who's unkillable? Because the chat is going to fucking flip out <laughs> if I answer that with anything other than Ollie. Who does not die this season? Oh, good Lord. This is going to... Oh, let me go with the easy answer. Jon Snow. Okay. Because he already died once, so... All right. And then the last one I'm going to ask. So Jon Snow's unkillable. Safe pick. Who do you think would be the most shocking death this season that you wouldn't see coming? But when I say this, you know what's going to happen. The chat's going to get really mad at me. Oh, God. But I think this isn't, you can answer this easy too. The most shocking death that I wouldn't see coming. Yep. Danny. God, it's a stupid game. Why? That's because it's dumb. That's not going to happen. Take fucking Danny out of it and Jon Snow out of it. Tyrion. Boosh. Powerful pick. But now he's going to die. God Holy God. 
shit. How about you? Who's going to die next? Who's going to die Oh, should I write this next? down? Or are you going to write your own shit down? Do I have to write your stuff down for you? Yeah. Oh, Who's going to die next? All right. I think the next death we're going to see, the next major character to die will be Ramsey. That's because he's on your Deadpool. Continue. Next. <laughs> Unkillable. Not the big obvious ones. I'm going to say Varus. Varus is not going to die ever. He'll be there till the end. Most shocking death. The most shocking death that could happen that would not that people would not see coming. Although this person is on a Deadpool, Brienne of Tarth. Ooh, I wrote it down. Boom. Those are just my quick gut picks. All right. Well, that is the second episode of season six, titled "Home." We had a blast, didn't we, Jessica? Is there anything else you want to say to these lovely, lovely motherfuckers? I was just curious how many people pick Brand to die, and it's actually two people. Wow. Do you know who's not in any death pools? Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> or Varys, I think, to be honest. Yeah. They're, and they're, certainly not Danny or John. They're pretty safe. All right, we're going to get yeah, out of here. Yeah, that's what I John, again. I'm giving you the wrap-up signal. I know, sorry. Ugh. We're going to get out of here and um, bid you guys adieu. We're going to see you next week where the fun will continue. In the next few days here, by the end of the week, we will have our live recording uh, time posted. Again, this is based on work schedule, so we will get that information to you ASAP. Remember, you can always go to libertystreetgeek.net. The schedules are there. We have something called recording slash release schedules. It's right at the top of the page. Click on it. We keep you updated for what's going on with LSG Media and its various podcasts. Stick around after the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Greyjoys, and we might get into a little bit of spoiler territory if uh, we, we do. You've been warned. So we'll see you guys next time. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. All right, so let's talk a little bit about these fucking great joys, shall we? We'll sure, you st- gotta teach me things. I don't know things. We got Quellen Greyjoy. Well, maybe you should drink more. He's a Lord of the Island. He he was Lord of the Island Iron Islands. He is the father of Balon Greyjoy. So Balon, this guy Quellen, he had three wives: uh, Lady Stone Tree, whose kids are all dead; Lady Sunderly, whose kids are mostly alive, some dead. And that's what we're going to talk about. So Quellen was married to House Sunderly, Lady Sunderly. Good Lord. He had Balon, Alanis, Euron, also known as Crozai, Victorion, Aragon, and Aaron. Now- Good Lord. Yeah. So let's see. With his second wife, they fathered Balon, Euron, Victorion, Euron, and Aaron- with all surviving to adulthood except Uragon. So Uragon's out. I guess the rest of these people are alive. So there, were, there was a lot of speculation as to who this is in the book, but it sounds like it, he died similarly. Did he have an encounter on the bridge? That's what I want to talk about. Okay. Did Balon have an encounter on the bridge? If you look at the Wikipedia for Feast of Crows, it's, he actually dies... Uh, it says Balon dies in a fall while crossing a bridge during a storm. I don't even fucking remember that. And I read it. Oh, Some wow. portents in their timely return of his exiled brother, Euron. 
So his exiled brother, Euron, is back in the book, and it's obvious. Obviously, it's not obvious in the show. And it says, Balon dies in a fall while crossing a bridge. Some importance in the timely return of his exiled brother, Euron, leads to speculation that Balon may have been murdered by an assassin at Euron's command. So in other words, not Euron's doing entirely. Weird. Now, the other brother, Aaron Greyjoy, gets informed of his older brother's death, Balon. He thinks back to the last time he saw Balon upon returning from the stony shore. He recalls how Balon's gray hair and turned half white and the stoop in his shoulder more pronounced. His king had not seemed ill. So again, there's speculation around this. So after Balon's death, his daughter Asha or Yara and his brothers Victorion and Euron are among the candidates to succeed him. His, her surviving son, Theon, had been taken prisoner by the Boltons and is not able to press his claim. So that's suggesting, suggesting that if Theon was there, he would be able to press claim. Right. But he's not. Mm-hmm. But he might be. We don't know. Or Euron, he might be dead, one of the two. Euron, quote, Crow's Eye returns to the Iron Islands the day after Balon's death. Crow's Eye, I guess he lost an eye to a crow because he does wear an eye patch. He seems not like a cool guy. He's like he a, got this swashbuckler. I know. So he might not. He Maybe he's the other brother. I think he's supposed to be that brother because I read like a preseason spoiler like afterwards where they were talking about casting calls for Game of Thrones and the way they described this person made people think it was going to be that one-eyed brother. So they think it was going to be Euron. Yeah, like before the show even started filming just based on the casting calls they sent out. And it made them know there were going to be flashbacks to young Ned because the casting calls made them guess that. That's Apparently, red, and remember, anyway. we're in really heavy spoiler territory here. Balon's f- actually, his favorite successor in the book is Yara or Asha, which is wacky. And I guess they're going to settle it at a king's moot organized by Aaron, one of the brothers. What's a king's moot? A king's moot is an end moot with kings. The king's moot was a traditional ceremony held by inhabitants of the Iron Islands in which kings were chosen by longship captains. The King's Moots, which chose the High King of the Iron Islands, were held on Naga's Hill on Old Wick. When a King's Moot is held, any captain may put his name forward as a candidate for the rule. As among the Ironborn, every captain is a king on his own ship. So let me say that again. Kings are chosen by longship captains, meaning the longship captains don't decide, but it is it, the king comes from a longship captaincy. Pretty wild. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. This is what I mean. All this Greyjoy shit is fascinating to me. So I guess people in the book aren't even sure at this point, right? They must not know exactly what's going on. They only have entries up through Feast of Crows. So I wonder. Hmm. I wonder as well. So we're going to get some cool intrigue with the Greyjoys. We're going to get the brothers vying for power. We're going to get this king's moot being held. I'm interested in the king's moot. Yeah. They actually, do you want to know who gets chosen? Sure, I guess. I mean, okay. you can tell me. It's not like... Despite the efforts of Yara and Victorion, so her and this other brother that's going to show up, okay. Euron, Balin's eldest brother, is chosen as successor and promises to conquer the whole of Westeros with the power of dragons. So he's going to go hook up with Danny. How about that shit? So this is definitely what's going to happen sense. in but that the makes TV sense. show. Right, that makes sense because of the whole... They're setting you up in the show. And it makes I, sense, I yeah. I promise I didn't read this ahead of time. That was just, it seems obvious. They keep saying we need a Navy, and they're like, we have a Navy. Maybe you should fucking Facebook each other. What do you know? Other. Why don't we yeah. get, like, hang out? <laughs> Why don't you fucking Facebook them, you dumb dumb? I swiped right on Tinder. Is that where you swipe if you want to? 
Just pick somebody's fleet. You want to take one in the pooper. Hey. Wow. Uh, wow. So, well, <laughs> yeah, this Euron guy seems like a like an interesting guy. Uh, so we'll talk to you a little bit about Euron Crozai. I don't know how much of this you're going to get. He looks cool. Young, handsome dude. He's got an eye patch, blue eyes. Pale, handsome, with black hair and dark beard. He wears a patch over his left, left eye and is nicknamed Crozai. According to Euron's nephew, Theon... The patch conceals a black eye shining with malice. His right eye is as blue as summer sky and regarded as his smiling eye. Hmm. Yorn is a wildly unpredictable man known for his delight in playing vicious mind games and waging psychological warfare on anyone around him. He is hated by his brothers for this reason. He's a skilled warrior and manipulator and is cunning, shrewd, and ruthless. Interesting. Mm. So he becomes king of the Isles in the north. He gives Victarion... Ooh, there's more crazy shit in here. I'm not going to get into all this. Don't spoil too much yeah, for me. I don't like to actually this. be spoiled. Yeah, I'm not going to get into all this. But that that tells you a little bit about what's going on. So my guess is, is that next week, we are going to see a lot of these brothers show up. We're going to get some information. We're going to get cool politicking here on the Iron Islands. And then the Greyjoys are going to become relevant again. Now I think Theon's really fucked. Yeah, well, you picked him in your Deadpool, so F I you. did, but, but I, I picked pick him, him as my next dad. I know. So I hope that that gets me a win. Like, gets you a, po- a couple points. What do I get for that? Just a couple points. <laughs> okay. Now, I haven't been monitoring the chat because I've been reading this. So, yeah, pretty awesome, man. I like it a lot. I'm excited about it. So that is just some of the stuff we wanted to clear up before we took off today. And I think that's all we really have. Do you want to say anything else about the Greyjoys before we get out of here? About the Greyjoys? No, but I just saw an awesome meme from Screen Junkies, and it says literally everyone after last night's Game of Thrones, and it shows Stephen Colbert pointing at a sign that says, I told you so. Awesome. I'll share that to the group because, sorry, it just distracted me because I saw it, and it was amazing. All right, we're going to get out of here. You guys have a good night. We'll leave the chat open so you guys can hang out and chat if you want, but uh, thank you so much for tuning in. You guys make the show fun. We had a blast. Hopefully... uh, you got a little bit of insight into the whole Greyjoy confusing bullshit. Uh, but there's a lot of crazy shit coming. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. I'm excited about the season. I like that we're moving fast and getting shit done, honestly. It's going to be fun. All right. We are out of here. Have a great night. Bye, guys.